0: in Indianapolis. What happened? A Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side, Chief. It was coming back <laughs> from the island of Tinian to Lady and just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. 1,100 men went into the water. The vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know you know that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. What well, we didn't know was our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. They didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief, sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo. And the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, then man, he starts pounding and hollering and screaming. Sometimes the shark go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. You know, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand, I don't know how many men, they average six an hour. Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Boson's mate. I thought he was asleep. I reached over to wake him up. Bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon, the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, a Lockheed Ventura So she He swung in low and he saw us. He was a young pilot, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper anyway, he saw us and he come in low. And three hours later, a big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So, oh, 1100 men went in the war. 316 men come out and the sharks took the rest June the 29th, forty-five. Anyway, we delivered the bomb.
1: Monster.
2: What's up and welcome to the horror cast we are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about all things horror We review one movie that is older and one movie that is newer and we try not to spoil that newer movie Uh, But the warning is that we do spoil the older movie So if you have not seen tonight's older movie, first of all, you live under a rock and second of all go see it Okay,
3: Uh, this
2: is episode number forty five and tonight, we are going to pay homage to the great shark movie. It is Shark Week. Uh, for those of you who are like me, I like sitting there on the couch watching the Discovery Channel, watching Shark Week and, and, and some of the great things that they have and some of the, uh, you know, my favorite is the great white shark, right? Right? Well, I'm Mark NATO. I, I hate Sharknado movies, but my name is Mark Nado. I'm podcasting uh, from Maryland, and I'm going to bring in my three co-hosts tonight so we can get started. Now, first of all, let's bring in the scholar uh, of the of the uh, the group, and that is Revenant Vin. What's up, Vin?
4: Hey, what's up? I'm gonna I'm gonna crack something open here for a second.
2: Please do. Oh yeah. So I'm that's
4: a opening pat- up an Narragansett for tonight <laughs> uh, in uh, in honor of Quint. Um, yes. so, and if, if I finish it by the time we get to the, uh, the jaws reveal, I'll try and crush it too. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to spill all over myself. It's a taller can. Uh, but, um, Hey, glad to be back talking sharks, man.
2: Sweet. So we're, we might have drunk Vin tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. I
4: also didn't have dinner. So
2: I might, I oh, might, no, I might join no him. Point. Vin is a, lightweight. <laughs> I had a little drink about it, an hour ago. Vin is a lightweight. <laughs> and now we're going to bring in one of my buddies here. From Maryland, who uh, texted me the other night, call you back later. I'm drunk, and that is the. <laughs> Do you mind if I share that? <laughs> I probably should have yeah. cleared that with you. Good, but, good uh, times. But I've I've, uh, I've said that he has a new name. It used to be Creepy Keith. Uh-huh. Okay, it is now Captain Creepy.
5: Yeah,
1: that's that is, right,
2: Captain Creepy. Uh, from here in Maryland, what's up, Captain Creepy?
5: Hey, how's it going, Mark? And how's it going, Mr. Venom and Mr. Revenant Ven? How are you guys doing this evening?
4: Congratulations on your new rank.
5: Thank you. That was <laughs> uh, that was that was inspired by my uh my little bender I had the other night with some coconut <laughs> rum. So I'm gonna come out with my own brand of uh Captain Creepy's coconut rum. Coming yeah. coming to a liquor store near you sometime in the future.
2: Speaking of would drinks. you
5: what'd you pair it with? What's that again? What'd you pair it with? Uh uh coconut water. That was it.
2: Okay, coconut water.
5: And, okay, and and he was, and
2: you're, he was drinking same stuff straight,
5: straight, and and this like your same circumstances tonight. I didn't have any dinner that night, so yeah, it, yeah. it took effect quick.
2: Yes, and he had one of those little umbrellas.
3: In the <laughs> yes, drink. I did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, we're gonna go
3: out to the uh, west coast and bring in Mr. Venom. What's up? Hey, how's everyone doing? Hello, listeners. I am Mr. Venom, and I love Sharknado movies. Ha. Oh gosh, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> Shout out
2: to I'm not... Don and Nelly because I know that guy loves him a Sharknado movie. I Damn guarantee I... you he does. Um, I don't know. There's just something. Uh, actually, for those of you who don't know, I was looking for a uh, podcast moniker, you know, and people were saying, oh, you should just be like, uh, you know, I don't know what they were saying. But uh, Captain Creepy Keys came up with Mark Marknado that and I just thought it correct. was catchy. You know, so I, I, even though I hate the Sharknado movies, uh, I thought it was, it was a cool it was,
5: name. It was that or Mark, Marquis Mark, and he did not like that name at all. So he, oh, no, def- no. But by, by <laughs> default, he <laughs> that, that might
2: yeah. work.
3: That might work better on another show that we're on. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember
2: yeah. Um, uh, old back in the, uh, the Killer Flicks days, um, uh, Slasher Matt used to call me the Mad Minister. Uh, that was hmm. one of the things he used yes, to come but yeah, but I remember that i went with mark nato okay that's okay and nice.
3: I, You're welcome. I
2: respect you mr venom <laughs> even though you like those sorts of movies i just cannot i cannot take that really bad cgi hey, and hey time. let's let's have let's have a cameo from every B-list, not even B-list
3: B-list, D- yeah. <laughs> D-list actor Thank you. Yes. Uh, No, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend those movies, I'm not going to say that they're cinematic masterpieces or essential viewing by any stretch of the imagination but they are bad movies that know what they are they're not trying to be Jaws, they're not trying to be Orca, they know that they're schlock and they're camp and they just bring it more and more with every chapter to the point where at the end of the last movie the entire world is destroyed I mean how epic is that Sharknado
5: f- destroys the world they're fun bad movies like The Room right
3: yeah absolutely I mean <laughs> I could watch them yes terrible CG terrible kills just about a ter- obviously terrible acting and writing but like I said, it's not pretentious. It knows exactly what it is, and I appreciate that. And I watch it for a laugh. You know, it's not like I'm watching it because you know it terrifies me or anything like that. But I, I just, it's a guilty pleasure. It's as simple as that. Yeah.
2: Maybe I need to give it another chance. I don't know, but I, I, th- I don't th- think you'll appreciate, first... it
5: more, you'll appreciate it more. You'll appreciate more if Revenant Venn does a blog about it.
2: <laughs> I, did, <yes. laughs> I do I did actually. Remember. <laughs> I, I do remember uh, when the first Sharknado came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't it like a Super Bowl night? Or uh, it, may, it and may it have was. Been. It was blowing up the internet. Mm-hmm. It was blowing up Twitter. And people were like, oh, man, you got to see this Sharknade. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I turned it on and it was like, oh,
3: this is. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you got to realize we live in a world where original ideas are kind of going extinct. So when you see when horror fans like us see something new and different, even if it's not good, we'll give it the time of day. Well, you know, I I genuinely appreciate any director and writer that are going to try to do something different. I'd rather see somebody try something new and fail than do the same crap that we've seen for 40 years. And, and it just be like a middle of the road, you know, movie that we don't even talk about two years from now. So yeah, I, I, you know, it's, I'm sitting here with an ear to ear grin on my face because I get to talk about Sharknado for five minutes.
2: (laughs) Well, you know what? I will hand it to them. It's become a cultural you know, touch point. Yeah. It, it's one of those things. Everyone knows Sharknado. Uh, and, you know, Ian Zeering, he needed work.
6: Oh, hey, okay. all of them. He needed work.
2: <laughs> uh, Tara Reet needed work, you know, after her yep. botched boob job, and she needed to get that taken <laughs> care of. And, you know, it's just, uh,
3: you know, it is good. What are they up to now, Six? Uh, Yeah, this is going to be the last one on August 19th. Sharknado 6 airs. And uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a bittersweet day for me. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, they gave me six movies that I'll be able to watch for pretty much the rest of my life. But, uh, you know, this was the kind of thing that I was hoping I'd get a Sharknado movie like every two years for the rest of my life. And obviously, you know that that's never, that's not going to happen. But yeah. you know, we only got six, so yeah. Jerry, I could see
2: Jerry like eighty-five years old. kind <laughs> hey, of watch Sharknado hundred and seventeen is on here. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's it's been uh, it's been fun. So I'm glad to see it in though. Uh, we are not going to review Sharknado tonight, okay? Uh, we just uh, wanted to go with first of all the classic. This is uh, probably the one that started all the summer blockbusters, right? And that is Jaws. Uh, So we'll be talking about Jaws. And that's what I said. If you have not seen this movie, you must have been living under a rock for the last 30, 35, 40 years. And uh, you need to get out there and watch it immediately before we spoil it. Okay, so if you have not watched that before you listen to our review, please go watch it. And then come back and listen. And then we are going to go with the, uh, it was a 2016? Yes. Is, is, is The Shallows. Okay. And that was a uh, shark movie that came out at the theaters starring Blake Lively. And we'll get into what we think about that. And we'll, we'll try not to spoil too much of it. Uh, can't promise that we won't have any spoilers at all. I mean, I think that uh, most people have seen it by now, but we'll see we will see so we're gonna take a small break when we get back you're gonna talk about what we've been watching We're back and it's time for what have you been watching? Uh, We're going to start with Revenant Vin. What have you been watching, man? And, and, uh, even if it doesn't have anything to do with horror, you know, what have you been watching? Hopefully you've squeezed a couple horror movies in there.
4: Yeah, just a couple. Um, not too much. I, one of the ones that I saw that, um, of course I'm always late to the party on things, uh, but a quiet place, John, John Krasinski's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, horror debut, at least you could say. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely very impressive film. Um, you know, kind of shows that a, a PG-13 horror film can still have a lot of tension, can still have, you know, bring about that anxiety. Um, really very kind of cool creature designs. Um, great writing with the families. I, I really enjoyed that one. I thought it was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one that I watched, um, not quite as good, uh, Truth or Dare. <laughs> yeah, Blumhouse's. Truth or Dare. Um, yeah, they for some reason wanted to put their name right on there. Well, because um, there's
3: another, there's actually another franchise called Truth or Dare, that's already up to their sixth chapter. Truth or Dare Six came out this year.
1: i
4: oh my, uh, sorry, I missed that one.
3: <laughs> oh no, um, no, you're not.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, they, I mean this this isn't a this isn't a horrible film. It's just not a very good film. Uh, you know, it's it's no Bye Bye Man from last year. Um, <laughs> so it's. Yeah, I, I would say this is a, this is pretty middle of the road. Another one, this is another one that came out in the theaters. I don't need to say too much about it. Um, but, you know, I I wasn't bored while watching it. I was totally fine with it. There were a couple of goofy scenes with uh, the face transformations that they do. Yeah, um, the sometimes smile. it looked creepy. Sometimes it just looked really awkward. Um, and the ending was pretty goofy. Uh, yeah. But there were a couple decent set pieces. And I did appreciate the fact that they tried to build tension out of the actual characters and their relations um so yeah you know, they didn't always succeed at it but i thought that was at least a valiant effort so pretty middle of the road for me but those are really the only two horror films that i've that i got in since last recording
2: all right what about you captain creepy
5: well uh just like uh revenant Vin, i also watched true to Dare, but did not finish it but that was that wasn't because it was bad or anything but uh i i attempted to watch it i got probably Three-quarters of the way through it, so i have to go back and finish that one. And you guys were talking about Annihilation on the last episode, so I wanted to go check that one out. And I actually enjoyed that one up until the very end. I wasn't too good on the ending of it, but uh, other than that, I thought it was a really well-shot movie. uh, Like you guys were describing, the uh, visual effects were uh, eye-popping, and uh, it's worth checking out. And uh, get a little beat going on there, and then um <laughs> and then also on uh. Mr. Venom's recommendation, uh, Zach Bagans, uh, demon house. I just watched that today and I actually did enjoy that. I, I didn't really say much about, uh, uh, ghost adventures last time on the last episode, but my daughter has me watching that show all the time. So I tried to get her to watch this movie with me today and she wouldn't do it. She thought it was too scary. I said, it's just like a ghost adventures episode, but, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And uh, that's what, uh, the three titles I've currently watched.
2: Nice. All right, Mr. Venom, what have you been watching?
3: Uh, Let's see. So uh, over the last two weeks, let's see. Um, Two weeks ago, I saw the latest theatrical release in the Purge franchise, uh, just called The First Purge. Um, Believe it or not, this is the first Purge, no pun intended, this is the first Purge movie I've ever actually watched. I have never watched any of the first three Purge movies. I always thought the concept was just incredibly ludicrous. To the point where I, I, I would just have so many questions and, and I'd be poking so many holes in the plot that I just knew I wouldn't really be able to get behind it. So I just avoided it. But obviously now with the whole podcasting thing and, and you know, my dedication to kind of see as many horror films as I possibly can. Plus I have a movie pass, so at least it doesn't, doesn't cost me anything. I went ahead and saw The First Purge on opening night and meh it's it's okay I mean it's I, I don't even really consider it a horror movie at all I mean to me it's just an action film with people you know gang members with masks on that's really all it is there's there's not really horror type tension throughout the movie there aren't any real gory or bloody kills it's just mostly gunshots and you know stabbings things like that nothing major so yeah that's the first purge if you're i I I spoke to a couple of people who actually are fans of the franchise, and most of them put this chapter somewhere in the middle. Not quite as good as the first or second, but better than the third. So if you're a fan of the Purge franchise, check it out. You might enjoy it. After that, I saw a remake, uh, by far the worst remake I've seen this year, (laughs) and that is uh, the remake of Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast. Now, I have a special attachment to the original Blood Feast because that was one of the first quote unquote gory movies I had ever seen. And it completely blew me away. I mean, it left me with my jaw open pretty much the entire movie. Like, you know, there there's the famous scene of, you know, where Fouad uh cuts out that woman's tongue. And for a movie from nineteen, I believe it's sixty-three or sixty-four. Um, That was that's a pretty intense scene of violence. And then there's, of course, other violent set pieces throughout it. Um, So anyway, I I watched the uh, the remake of that uh, release this year, 2018. And uh, the best thing I could say is, uh, yeah, just don't watch it. Just ignore its existence completely. It's not good. Um, I will say that the acting is better in this one than in Herschel Gordon Lewis's movie, but that's not really saying a lot since the acting in those movies in Herschel Gordon Lewis's movies aren't exactly stellar. So um, if you're a fan of the original, I would say avoid this one. There's no real need to see it. If you've never seen the original and you kind of want an idea of maybe what you're in for, go ahead and watch the new one. It's not – I mean – it is terrible. But, but I, I, like I said, if you're not familiar with the franchise or with Herschel Gordon Lewis as a filmmaker, go ahead and check it out. You might hate it less than I did. Who knows? Some people might actually like it. Uh, and then after that, I saw probably the best movie I've seen over the last two weeks. That's called The Devil's Doorway. Um, for people who know me, they know that two of my favorite subgenres of horror are found footage and demonic possession. And this movie, of course, combines both of those um, very successfully. Uh, I was very happy with this movie. It's a quick movie. It's only about an hour and 15 minutes. It's very right to the action, right to, you know, all the demonic stuff going on. Obviously, there are – the movie is set inside of a a nunnery, uh, you know, where a bunch of nuns live. Uh, They also take in, like, questionable women women of questionable morals like, you know, uh, pregnant teenagers, single mothers, drug addicts, things like that, criminals. Um, They take them in. um, And then there's obviously a big plot going on as to what's going on with all the children that are being born from these uh, unwed teenage mothers. So uh, um, that one, like I said, I really liked it. Uh, That's a high recommend for me. Um, I know it's not going to be uh, a lot of people's things. Some people are probably going to think of the devil. Uh, what was it? The devil inside, mm. which I know a lot of people hated that movie. Um, I didn't hate the movie so much as I hated the ending. I, I think everyone hated that ending. It wasn't really much of an ending. Um, but this movie definitely, you know, it, it, It definitely brought the scares. It brought the tension. You've got some good cinematography. You've got some very good performances by the two main priests who are our protagonists in the film. And then you've got various nuns and young unwed mothers and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's a high recommend for me. So check that one out. Uh, The next one I saw isn't a horror film so much as it's a sci-fi thriller, but it is available on Netflix. So if you have a Netflix account or know someone with one, you should be able to check this out. Uh, And that movie is called Tau. Uh, T-A-U is the spelling of the word. Um, It basically refers to an A.I. construct that a I guess you can call a mad scientist created. Uh, Probably the greatest part about this movie is that the A.I. is voiced by Gary Oldman very recent Oscar winner Gary Oldman so uh, that was kind of cool um again not not a great film by any stretch but it, it, you know it, it's kind of got that captivity feel to it basically uh, our mad scientist, who's played by Ed Screen or Scrine—I'm not sure how you pronounce that—basically the guy who played um, Ajax in the Deadpool movie. So if anybody saw Deadpool, you remember the main villain from that movie. Um, he is the main villain in this film as well. Uh, he's basically kidnapping people and testing his AI, basically, to see you know how it interacts with people. Can it be utilized as a security system? You know, does it do everything that it's programmed to do? Things like that. Obviously, you know the the poop hits the fan towards the end of the movie. And, you know, it comes down to a very, you know, action packed climax. But once again, it kind of fell short for me. Not a great film, just okay. At best. The next film on my list is a movie that I had been looking for all, uh, looking forward to all year. And that is a film called the night eats the world. Um, this is a zombie film, but it is, this movie is so artistic it's almost artistic to a fault um, you have long stretches where nothing really happens uh, you have one guy by himself um, kind of barricaded in a house he has a zombie in the house with him that he has trapped in like a closet like a like a barred closet and he actually talks to it a lot like our um, heroine in last year's uh it, it stains the Sands red yep. if you remember that movie you remember how after a while our our hero started talking uh, having conversations if you will with the zombie well the, the kind of the same thing happens in this one just not nearly as entertaining um like i said not very action-packed um and then you can even make an argument once you finish watching the movie you can make an argument that maybe none of this even happened that it might have been All in our in our um, protagonist's head. So, you know, without spoiling anything, uh, this movie, I would probably say is above average. It's very artistic. So if you're into art house cinema, especially, you know, kind of slower paced uh, horror films, kind of like what A24 is doing, just not nearly as effectively. Uh, then I would recommend The Night Eats the World. And then, of course, the last movie that I saw in the time since our last episode just came out this past Friday in theaters, and that is Unfriended Dark Web. (laughs) Now, I was a big fan of the first one. Uh, The first one was a big surprise to me. Uh, I went to see it, obviously, for podcasting duties, but I was genuinely surprised by the first one. I, I was engaged. I thought the kills were pretty original, nice and violent. Um, it had a nice supernatural aspect to it, so I, I definitely enjoyed that film. This film kind of flips the script a little bit in the sense that, and I don't know if this is much of a spoiler, but actually, you know what, I'm not even going to say it. Um, this film is still basically the same concept. A bunch of friends are uh, chatting, playing games on Skype, and then their Skype conversation is interrupted by a mysterious um, you know, uh, person online. And, and and it kind of just goes from there. It kind of turns into a weird murder mystery slash uh, slasher type film. So uh, same
2: same thing. Like, uh, is it unfriended with the, you know, is it all like on Skype or video camera?
3: Pretty much. Yeah. The whole thing is either on cell phone video or on Skype. Um, Yeah, you you don't really. Yeah. So it's I mean, for all intents and purposes, you can you can kind of consider it found footage, even though it's, you know, Internet, Skype video and cell phone video. So Uh Um, I didn't hate this movie. I just will definitely say I did not enjoy it as much of the first as the first one. Uh, If you saw the first one, like I said, I already mentioned that it had a really cool supernatural element to it. Uh, surrounding the girl who commits suicide, you know, before the movie starts. And, you know, it, it goes into like, you know, it spirals downward into a very, very dark ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, meh. Uh, I feel like if, you, if, if any of you guys saw the movie The Den, uh, The Den is five times better than this film. So if you've seen The Den, there's no need to see Unfriended Dark Web. If you've not seen The Den and you've got a movie pass, hell, go see it. Uh, you might enjoy it, but then after you see Dark Web, go ahead and watch The Den, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about when it comes to a, a more human-based horror as opposed to a more supernatural-based horror. Um, so yeah, that's my last two weeks.
2: Yeah, I uh, I liked The Den. That was a under underwatched and underrated movie a Absolutely. couple of years ago. I thought it was pretty cool, pretty original. Um, and I wanted to echo uh, The Night It's the World. I, I watched that as well. I thought that was really good. Uh, And I'd recommend it. Um, I haven't been watching a ton of stuff. Uh, I I did uh, get a chance to download three movies on iTunes um, that all turned out to be foreign movies. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One is called The Night of the Virgin. Hmm. Did you you hear this one? uh, I have not. Okay, this was a pretty good uh, um, festival darling last year. And it's, uh, uh, I believe it's, I'm not sure if it's... um, from Spain or Mm -hmm. where it's from, but uh, it's, it's in, um, uh, it's a foreign language film. So subtitles, but, but this is a, uh, it starts out, this guy's at a club and he is, dude, he is so geeky. You know, he's the virgin (laughs) in the title. Okay. And he's trying to, you know, pick up women and he's getting shot down. And then all of a sudden, like kind of this mysterious older woman kind of picks him up and takes him home. And let's just say she needs him. Uh, to be a virgin for her let's say cultish uh rituals mm-hmm. um and mm. let me tell you th- this is a pretty decent movie uh it is very i would say like almost david lynch david Cronenbergy, mm. uh and very gross there's a lot oh, of bodily nice. there's a lot of bodily fluids and grossness in this movie uh, but it, it, it's art, it's like kind of dark comedy as well, so I would recommend it. Uh, again, if you're not the kind of person that likes reading subtitles, you probably aren't going to enjoy this, but uh, I like a good foreign flick. The other ones or were called uh, Kristen, uh, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Christy that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is more of a uh, like a thriller, uh, horror, and it's a, it's a lady who is in her uh, late 20s. Uh, I'm just going to read the synopsis. So It'd be, be better. Uh, on January 1st, when cleaning the mess of last night's party, she gets terrorized by an unknown person. Kristen was supposed to do this with the help of her boyfriend, but he doesn't show up or pick up his phone. In the meantime, someone keeps calling Kristen, asking her to step outside. This person seems to know all about her more than anyone alive should. When the first drop of blood is spilled and Kristen's world turns into a nightmare, she has to find out who is doing this and why. Um, I wanted to read that because it it's just hard to explain. It's just, it's just a, uh, somebody terrorizing a, a girl that's all alone. Uh, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of When a Stranger Calls. Uh, mm. And it, It's very uh, claustrophobic. It's, it's more of a thriller, a tense thriller than it is straight horror. But I enjoyed that as well. And then that, the last one, I'm just going to mention it, even though I did not finish it. I've only gotten about 10, 15 minutes into it. It's called Haunted. Uh, and it's uh, a girl inherits uh, her father's old house. And of course she goes up there and can you guess what? <laughs> can you guess what? The, ha- it's, the
5: house it, is not haunted. <laughs>
2: it, it, yeah. Yeah. It's not haunted at all. It's a comedy. Yes! No, uh, yeah. the house is haunted. So, um, you know, those are the three movies that uh, I started, uh, I either watched or started to watch. And, and the reason I watched them is because I'm always looking for something that I haven't heard of, that I heard, haven't heard anybody else talking about. And those are three movies that uh, I definitely um, say you should check out. So, uh, And that's about it. And I've got, like I said, I've got tons of stuff on my iPad ready to, to binge. And I just, oh, yeah, I saw another one called, um, oh, what, Another Soul? Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Oh, what what a piece of crap! Yeah, I think I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad, bad. And the only reason I watched it is because on my iPad it was number one because it it started with A.
3: Ah, oh, uh, another
2: soul. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not good at all. Uh, pretty poor filmmaking. You know, it's not it's not even it doesn't even look good. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can get away with a film not being that great because it's shot well, and you can see some, um, I guess you would say some potential in the filmmaker. Nah. Nah, Mm -mm. it's like somebody just shot this on a, uh, you know, a a camera they rented. It's not even a, you know, a movie (laughs) camera. It it just, so skip that (laughs) one. So, but I promise uh, in two weeks, I will have watched at least at least a dozen more movies. Okay, so I'll have some more stuff uh, for Oh, and I did forget, uh, on your recommendation, Mr. Venom, and it's not strictly on your recommendation because it was on my list, I watched Cargo
3: Ah, on Netflix. One of my favorites of the year. Yeah, yeah, it is a very divisive film. It's a very emotional film. I mean, uh, I mentioned it during my review on... <clears throat> on my other podcast just the movies mm-hmm. and um i i i it, it literally brought me to tears i mean i i actually uh that ending was very powerful in my opinion even though i had a little bit of a problem with some of the decisions that martin freeman's character made throughout mm-hmm. the film mm-hmm. especially early on involving his wife yeah. um ev- even with all that that ending really struck me for some reason it really struck a chord <laughs> and i'm not a parent mind you uh, you know, I, I don't have children. I have no plans on having children, but that ending legitimately, you know, I shed a tear or two. So it hits, so it hits I, you in the feels. A little bit, yeah. But I also understand why some people wouldn't like it. Because it's not it's not the most action packed zombie film. It's not, you know, it's definitely not a Romero style, you know, film by any stretch of the imagination. So and well, and it does it does tend to try to get a little artsy at times. Mm-hmm. Nah. Well, let me tell you this.
2: I didn't hate the film, mm-hmm. okay? I, I, I like the film, but it's definitely not going to be anywhere near my top ten. Um, I, I thought it was too slow, and I thought that, you know, even though it, it, was, it was more of a character-driven,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, zombie vehicle, I, I didn't really care too much for the characters for some reason. And maybe maybe that'll change on a second watch. Mm. But um, uh, I, I did like the... Like the quote unquote zombies. Yeah, yeah, uh, they were very cool. What was that that like kind of came over their mouth and like just some
3: kind of ooze that yeah, poured out of every orifice? Yeah, it was pretty gross. Um And I I, it... I also like that world, the way that they set the world up where um, you know, obviously they had been dealing with this um zombie apocalypse for a while. So they already had like devices they already had like watches yeah, that 48 hours. Cuz 48 yeah. hours is exactly how long it took once once you got bit, it took 48 hours to fully turn yeah. into, you know, whatever those infected creatures were, but yeah. Like I said, for whatever it's worth, that movie spoke to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So again, not bad uh and I and I recommend that you watch it if you are You know, a fan of, number one, of Martin Freeman, because he does a good job. Yes. Number two, of of well-shot and well-acted movies. Mm -hmm. This this is more of a, like, think of, like, The Walking Dead, like, drawn out. You know, how it's, like, drawn out. and, And it's more of a story, like... I enjoy The Walking Dead for for the most part. It's kind of gone off the rails a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But some people will be like, oh, I hate The Walking Dead. Where's all the zombies? Well, The Walking Dead is about the people, the living, yep. you know, and the zombies are just part of it. Yep. And that, this is the same sort of thing. Okay, it, it's a human story of of people and how would you react and what would you do in a situation this horrific Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so that's what it's about so if you like that sort of thing you'll like it uh i'm I'm not as high on it as you and maybe i was a little rough with with my yeah (laughs) but (laughs) uh but you know definitely definitely give it a shot so all right all right well there you go uh promise to have more movies for you next time we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we are going to talk about Jaws. right, we are back, and let's get into the first of our two feature reviews, and this is Captain Creepy. This is his uh, picks. He said the last time we we recorded, he said, hey, in two weeks, it's Shark Week. Have we ever done a shark-related show? And no, we haven't, so of course, we had to do it. So happy Shark Week. We're going to be talking about 1975's Jaws. It is rated PG. (laughs) PG people, there's body parts and blood floating around. Crazy, okay? (laughs) But it's PG. Two hours and four minutes. Uh, There is, you know, a lot of people will say this is not a horror movie. That this is an adventure or a drama, folks. This is scary stuff. If you ask me, and it definitely qualifies as a horror movie. It's it's a it's a creature feature um came out on june 20th 1975 and actually is credited with being like the first big hollywood blockbuster uh for for like summer viewing you yep. know like like makes summer the time when the big movies come out and it kind of all started in 1975 with jaws it is uh, directed none other than steven spielberg it has an eight out of ten um, review uh, on IMDb, and I think that's kind of low. I really yes, very. Uh,
5: 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Much yeah, better. I mean, it's got
2: 484,500 reviews, but 8 out of 10, I, yeah, I thought that was rather low. I uh, think so written by Peter uh, Benchley, who was the guy who actually wrote the novel, uh, and then he adapted it for the screenplay. Stars Roy Scheider, uh, who, by the way, was not a very nice man. <laughs> at least that's what i've heard robert shaw who was quite the drunk richard dreyfus uh lorraine gary uh murray hamilton as the mayor carl gottlieb uh, jeffrey kramer and you know a few other people here and there uh that uh, you probably aren't gonna really know but let me tell you uh this is a benchmark movie if you've not seen it like i said this is the last time i'm gonna say it If you haven't seen it, stop listening to us right now. Go watch it and then come back, okay? All right, Reverend Van, do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Reverend Van, why don't you give us a synopsis? What is Jaws about?
4: Well, we're on the uh, island of Amity, uh, somewhere off of Cape Cod, also known as Martha's Vineyard. Uh, But we've got a island that is just about to see its Um, Vacation revenue coming in for beachgoers, and right at that time, a 25-foot great white shark stakes its coastline out as its feeding ground, uh, begins eating the local populace. Then we have Chief Brody trying to to solve the case. He's a city guy who's retired to the island. Um, He's not much for the water. Uh, He has to team up with Hooper, um, a rich guy who's kind of become some of a marine biologist. And eventually they have to team up with Quint, um, this kind of hard scrabble local. Um, And they go off on this quest, the three of them, to go and finally kill the shark. Um, Again, classic tale, like you said. If you haven't seen this movie, you don't know the story of this. Uh, I don't know where you've been for the past, like, you know, 30 or 40 years.
2: (laughs) Yes. Very good, very good explanation And right now, we're going to play the trailer from Jaws And when we get back, we're going to talk about our first impressions
6: There is a creature alive today Who has survived millions of years of evolution Without change Without passion And without logic It lives to kill A mindless eating machine It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. (laughs) This is Universal's extraordinary motion picture version Of Peter Benchley's best-selling novel Jaws. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week and you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there.
1: You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway.
6: shark we've got a panic on our hands on the
0: fourth of july is it true that most people get attacked by sharks in three feet of water about 10 feet from the beach yeah what we are dealing with here is a perfect engine uh an eating machine we're not only going to have to close the beach we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark bad fish but i'll catch him and kill him did you
1: hear your father out of the
0: water now this shark swallow you whole
6: You're to need a bigger boat.
0: That's a 20-footer. 25. Three tons of them. Hold it up. He's coming straight for us. Don't screw it up now. Don't wait for me. Now! Shoot! <laughs>
6: fantasies of evil and compare with the reality of Jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Jaws. See it before you go
2: swimming. All right, we are back. First impressions. Let's go with uh, Captain Creepy. When is the first time you saw Jaws, and what is your first impression of it?
5: First impression, uh, I didn't actually see it in 1975 because I would have been four years old. So, yeah, definitely didn't see it when it first came out. But uh, when I was a little bit older, uh, probably eight or nine, I remember people walking around with Jaws T-shirts, and that was probably my first impression of that was probably something pretty cool since there's was – you know, pop culture and somebody's actually wearing a shirt of it. So I probably didn't see this movie probably, I would have to guess, probably in the 80s, probably around 84 or 85. And I could see why people it scared the uh, the general public out of the water when this movie came out. They didn't want to go back. They have a new commercial. It's a, a Dodge commercial that they're showing for Shark Week, if anybody's watching that right now, uh, where everybody is just hanging out on the parking lot because there's a sign up that says Danger Sharks. So it's uh, pretty uh reminiscent of, uh, what, when this movie came out, what kind of effect it had on people.
2: Yeah. They say, they say that the, uh, the beach, the beach, um, I guess not traffic, but the beach growers kind of really, uh, went down, uh, in, in the, the subsequent years because people had a phobia now.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. about, surprise, you
2: surprise. Know, you know, now we have shark week and we have all this stuff and people, You know, shark trackers. Love, yeah, they love (laughs) to talk. But back then, this was really the first time that that this kind of became into the public eye. And 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 uh, uh, I I love the. uh, I'm I'm just going to go ahead. My my first impressions. The first time I saw this was uh, a little bit before you. I do remember seeing this when I was probably around six, and um, I believe it was at a drive-in, and I really, really enjoyed it. I think this movie was re-released. Yes. If I'm, not, if I'm not, you know, yeah, it, it was, or for sure.
3: Yeah. Because you might've seen Cause I also saw it at the drive-in for the first time and you, you may have seen it with the same double bill that I saw it with.
2: Might've been, might've been, but yeah, I, I think this movie is a cultural, uh, you know, touch point. It is something that pretty much everyone knows. Uh, look at the poster art. That's an iconic poster with the, with the, the, the shark coming up, uh, with the girls swimming there. Uh, I remember feeling that this movie was um, almost like uh, taboo for me. I guess it probably should have been when I was six, seven years old. You know, I can't believe it was rated PG. It just shows you where we've come. Um, there, there really isn't. I mean, there, there is some cussing in this movie. Uh, there's, there's booby in this movie. Um, <laughs> very, very brief at the beginning, but. Uh, there's just a lot of violence and, and, you know, people getting eaten alive and stuff. And I can't believe it was PG, uh, you know, but, but back then it was either PG or R, you know. So, um, and and I remember my father having uh, this collection of Reader's Digest uh, condensed books. Did you guys ever see those? Mm-mm, nope. Yeah, they they were basically popular bestsellers of the time and and they were they were um what's the word i'm looking for i mean condensed is another word i guess but uh like abridged uh yeah abridged that's what i was looking for you know they take a lot of it out and they kind of make it more palatable um and i I remember reading that when i was probably eight or nine and, and and by the way the the novel way different Way different. Uh, there's affairs going on and all kinds of stuff um, that they cut out of the movie. But, you know, th- this movie is honestly just a, uh, a cultural phenomenon. It's changed changed everything. And, and uh, basically every shark movie that comes out is measured by Jaws. That's, mm-hmm. just, that's just the way it is. Because <clears throat> I remember uh, when we talk about the shallows, that's the whole thing. New shark movie. Well, how does it compare to Jaws? You know? So let's, we'll talk about that. But um, Reverend Vin, what about you? When's the first time you saw it, and what are your first impressions?
4: Uh, well, I didn't see it in theaters because I would have been negative six. Um, mm. So I had to see the, uh, yeah, the television uh, airings. Um, and when I was young, I think I ended up seeing Jaws 2 actually a lot more often. You know, when I was when I was at that age, I couldn't really easily distinguish between the films because they used to show quite a few of them uh, mm-hmm. on television. Um, but I mean, I just remember it certainly affected the way I saw the ocean, uh, you know, most um, and most swimmable bodies of water overall. Although I'd say 1980s alligator. Remember that one probably mm-hmm. had a larger oh, yeah. effect on instilling in me a bit of aquaphobia uh, from its pool scene, especially there's that scene where the kids uh, make another kid walk the plank on a diving board. And the kid gets eaten by an alligator in the swimming pool. I think that one probably had a much bigger effect on me, um, and swimming in water than <laughs> what the a, Jaws. What about piranhas?
1: <laughs>
5: yeah. but
4: <laughs> well, not as much <laughs> piranhas not as much. Um but you know, I was older, at least a teenager, before I really watched the original Jaws with any degree of clarity and distinction. And I remember just being surprised by how good of a film it is. I mean, I was caught up in the adventure, I was invested in the characters, and I recall being just floored by Quint's monologue, which I consider one of the absolute greatest in film history. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, I'm still uneasy around the ocean, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll swim at a beach, you know, and I'll go to the ocean, I'll swim for short stints. Um, but I, maybe because of Jaws, maybe kind of gave me a healthy, I, I'd say a healthy fear, but the ecosystem just feels so alien to me
1: mm-hmm.
4: that whenever I go into the ocean, I feel like an interloper, you know, <laughs> and at any moment, the guards are going to find me, you know, and deliver their toothy justice, you know, whatever they might be. Um, yeah. <laughs> toothy even
2: I, justice.
4: Yeah. I, I've taken several cruises and uh, each time each time I'm at the sea, I'll stand on the deck and I'll look out at the water and every which way, you know, to the horizon, you just see water and I get that same feeling. And I feel like, again, like I'm kind of part of this invading force that at any moment is going to kind of plunge unprepared into this enemy territory. Um, and I just feel totally unnatural in that environment. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a complete landlubber. I don't even like eating seafood. Um, but you know, I think Jaws is maybe part of that. I wouldn't say I I fear going into the water, but it it does make me uneasy to think what is in that water. Um, So, you know, again, my my real uh, coming of age with Jaws was a little bit later in life, but it definitely had an effect on my DNA growing up.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm not a big, I'm a beach goer with my, my wife and kids. I don't really go in past my, like, knees you know,
1: yeah, <laughs>
2: because you just, I mean, you just don't know what's down there. You don't know what's down there. And, uh, and what really scares me is really deep water. I mean, yeah. good Lord, it goes miles and miles and, uh, yeah, no, thank you. I have a, I right. have a
5: real, I have a real quick shark story for you before you continue. Uh, I was down in Sarasota, Florida, where my grandparents were, and they took us to this beach in there, uh, Santa Ana. Think it was down there by uh, Bradenton, and uh, me and my wife went out in the water. And my grandmother was saying, "I wouldn't go out there. There's sharks at there." And we're laughing at her, and we're going out there. And you know, we didn't go out real deep, but but we just thought it was funny. And uh, a week later, she sent me a newspaper clipping that there was a shark attack at that same beach. Uh, mm-hmm. So we took grandmom's advice uh, from there on out. We... <laughs>
1: yes,
4: <there laughs> yes there listen must to be grandma. Yeah, the last time I was in South Carolina, I went to I was in Myrtle Beach and I'm swimming around, and all of a sudden I felt something hit my back, like on my back, and I yeah of course I jerk I, I had no oh, idea what the hell oh, yeah. I, you know I was like up to my neck in the water, and it ended up being a fishing line. There was this guy who was fishing right where everybody's swimming. Uh, <laughs> a brilliant thing to do, but uh, they're like, oh, you might want to get out of there. Last time we caught a shark. I'm like, you know, <laughs> so that that kind of ruined my uh ruined my swim that day. Um, but you know, just again reminding me that the sharks right where I'm i'm out there swimming
2: crazy all right mr venom what about you when's the first time you saw it and what are your first impressions
3: all right the first time i saw this was in 1978 a few years after it was released theatrically uh i also saw it uh, at the drive-in like uh, mr mark nato uh, i saw it with the double bill with orca orca had just come out maybe a couple of months earlier And it was the summertime, so, you know, uh, obviously the drive-in thought this would be a great double feature to basically terrify and, you know, uh, mess with everybody's minds. But, yeah, um, as I mentioned before we started recording... Uh, For me, the very first time watching this film, I was terrified. But it wasn't necessarily because of any of the visceral images on the screen. It was John Williams' soundtrack. That soundtrack is terrifying. And basically, I would be sitting in the backseat of the car with my parents in the front seat. And as soon as that music started up, I just hid in the back. So basically, the first time I saw this film, I missed all the shark attacks. But I was still... (laughs) Thoroughly terrified. And if you want to know what it did to my psyche, I have never set foot in the ocean since I saw Jaws. That is not an exaggeration. I have never stepped foot in the ocean. And part of the prob- part of the reason I do it is because that is their territory. And it's one of those th- kind of like what Vin was saying about us feeling like interlopers when we're out there. I, if you're attacked by a shark in the ocean, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, you're in their territory. And then the mentality of fishermen then going out and hunting said shark because it's now a man eater, blah, blah, blah. That's that's such a terrible thing to do and say. It's like that. They're, they're just being sharks. They're not psychotic. They're not sociopaths. They're just sharks. They're doing Dude, what you
2: ch- obviously haven't seen Jaws four. Oh, stop it. okay and actually you're right because the jaws (laughs) follows the family to another location okay
3: terrible terrible (laughs) um but yeah i mean like i said i will not go into the ocean because i would actually if a shark were to attack me and kill me i would actually feel bad in the afterlife knowing that they hunted that shark down and killed it for basically just doing what he does so yeah i mean I can see why a lot of people might not consider this a horror movie. Obviously, personally, I think anybody who's ever lived near an ocean or a large body of water would consider this a horror movie because, you know, we're terrified of the unknown, what we can't see well, un- I mean, underneath this, the water. This film terrified
4: a generation about going in the water. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, when people say it's not a horror film, I don't quite understand what their standards are. You know, I mean, <laughs> this is a generation psycho. I mean, what, what what kind of film had this effect on such a wide population worldwide? Right, you know, this isn't just an American phenomenon. I mean, this terrified people. I I saw this movie just a couple of weeks ago on the big screen. Um, There's local theater that played it, and you know, we, obviously we're spoiling this, but you know, when that head comes out of the hole, the <laughs> entire audience screamed. Yep, you know, and we're talking about you know also like younger people, you know, not like little kids. I mean, you know, teenagers. They they were still affected by this, yep. and just that opening attack is still harrowing. You know, that's. you you, i remember after that attack um i heard a woman a couple rows behind me she just said i'm scared (laughs) so she just she said it out loud to the guy that she was with she was letting him know that she was not feeling okay right now um you know this is that's what a horror film does um but uh, you know anyway it's it's just it's kind of ridiculous thing when you hear people talk about how it's not horror
3: Right. Right. I think the biggest argument that I've heard over the years from people who say this isn't horror is just that it's a shark being a shark. You know, there's no supernatural element. There's no insanity involved. It's not like it's a slasher or or a creature. I mean, it is to an extent a creature feature, but it's not like, you know, this is a shark that swam through radiation and became, you know, an uber killing machine. This is basically. Uh huh.
4: No, no,
3: no, let you finish. Go ahead. Like I said, I was just gonna say that you know this is just a shark being a shark, and I think uh, some people's definition of horror has to do with uh, the distance from reality, something that maybe can't always happen on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, something unnatural to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, and I don't agree with that, by the way. I am totally on Vin's side. This is this is a horror film. It's terrifying. Vin and I both grew up in Connecticut, so we know what it's like. To live near ocean and and like I said I I I'm it sounds like an exaggeration but it's absolutely not I have never set foot in the ocean I have gone swimming mind you pools lakes rivers streams things like that you know uh, obviously I'm intelligent enough to know there's no such thing as you know freshwater sharks so I don't have to worry about that but um, yeah I have not gone anywhere. Other than walking on Santa Monica Pier, that's about as close as I've gotten to ocean water <laughs> since 1978. So yeah, I can
2: tell you this, sir. <laughs> there can be sharks that go in fresh water. Oh, if thanks for terrifying if me. It oh. is, if it is attached <laughs> anywhere, like if like brackish water, which is a mix, or whatever. Yeah, they have found. Um,
4: what happened in New Jersey, right? 1916. Yeah, they found um,
2: bull sharks, tiger sharks. Yeah. Uh, it, it's rare, it's and
5: in rare. the movie Shark Night, but, they had them in freshwater in that movie also. Exactly, exactly. And but that's
2: Jerry, what I think we, that's what we base our uh, uh, you know. That's, our that's where your knowledge facts, came from, right? Yeah, Shark yeah. Night 3D. <laughs>
4: but Jerry, I think you do bring up something interesting because this both these films would often fall under the eco horror category. Yes. You know, but like usually eco horror, those films revolve around the premise that humans are somehow harming or dangerously altering the environment or nature. And then the attacks from nature or the wilderness are seen as some kind of retribution. Yeah, but both of these films are actually notable for having sharks that attack due to no fault of the humans, but simply because the shark is staked out a claim and the humans are its meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the victims are largely innocent. And the fear that these films exploit them, I mean, that's what horror to me is about exploring and exploiting fears, not about unnatural. Um, But it comes from something very basic and primal and unmoralizing, and that's just the fear of being eaten. Yeah, you know, the fear yeah. that we humans go into the water, which is not our natural environment, and encounter a predator against which we stand no chance. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that to me is absolutely horror. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any question that this is a horror movie. Uh, I I definitely don't think that a horror movie has to have supernatural elements. I mean, it it can be you know, just real life horror. And there's yeah there's not much scarier. Than getting eaten by a shark, and Especially, don't forget that
5: about the uh, hor- horrific scene of the floating head. That one always got me.
2: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But the, <clears> you know, there's there's just nothing nothing worse than getting torn apart by, you know, not not even just a small shark, a twenty five foot eating machine. I mean, like <laughs> that that scene where Quint, uh, it's Quint, right? Quint. Yep, Quint. Yeah. yeah, when when he gets eaten, that is, to me. That's the scene that sticks with me. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, he's fighting it off, but he's sliding down in there. And then the shark bites down, like, right around his belly button, a little bit hot. And he's, like, spurting blood out of his mouth. It's
4: also so tragic what we've just learned about him. Yes. You know, because you want to see him be the one that takes this thing on. (laughs) He's the toughest one out of the three. And then he's picked off, and you're like... You know, it's it, it just makes it oh, their whole situation that much worse.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Now, now, one thing I will say: a lot of people think that this movie is boring. Oh. Okay. <laughs> as far as like, you know, people who who want nonstop action and and horror, uh, th- this movie is this is on par with, say, The Exorcist. Yes. You know, when, when we think about horror movies that are just good movies. Uh, mm-hmm. we talked about when we talked to the the Exorcist episode is five hours long, people. I mean <laughs> the the Exorcist is just a fantastic film. This is the same thing. Uh this is a fantastic film. It won three Oscars. It was nominated for more. It won uh it 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 was nominated for Best Picture. And you know what it lost to?
3: Ooh, seventy five. Uh ugh. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, okay. Uh I yes. gotta agree with that actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh uh, but it did win uh, best sound. Oh yeah. Okay. And and there is some some really good sound work in this. Um it, it won for best original score. You know, that the music that scared Mr. Venom, young Mr. <laughs> Venom. Um and what else did it win? I think it won another one. A uh, Best Film Editing. Yeah, so this was recognized by the Academy, you know, uh, that it wasn't just a horror movie, man. This was a fantastic film. And this, this one really put Steven Spielberg on the map. Oh yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about what are, what are some of the things that you enjoy about this movie? I, I'm going to go first. I'm going to say, uh, the acting. Um, I, I think it, this movie is like perfectly cast. Uh, I, I've heard lots of stuff that um, uh, Roy Scheider was not a very nice person and kind of butted heads uh, with. I've
5: heard that somewhere before too. I yeah, don't know if it's from you guys, but yeah, I've heard that.
2: Yeah, with pretty much everybody, and and actually, I can't even believe that he came back for Jaws two. But I think it was like contractual. He he had to do it, and he was he was even worse on Jaws two. <laughs> uh, I heard that Richard Dreyfuss who by the way is one of my favorite actors. Yeah, I like uh, him too. I, yeah, I like Richard Dreyfuss and he's funny in this movie. Oh, he's
3: great. Yeah, yeah he's, he, probably, he's probably who
5: I like the most.
2: Yeah, he's got a good personality in this movie. Um he's the guy that you know, he knows. You know, he knows cuz he's the uh what is the um the marine biologist, you know, and he's been around sharks and he knows sharks and and he knows that the shark that they caught—that's not the shark. Listen to me, listen to me. You know, no one's listening. Uh, Roy Scheider is—is, is, you know, he—he he wasn't expecting this. He just wanted to—to kind of live out his his uh, retirement years, right? <laughs> and and, and uh, the mayor Murray Hamilton, what a jerk! Ugh. You know, this is this is Fourth uh, of July coming up. This is our town's livelihood. Uh, we're only we're only closing this beach for 24 hours. It'll be back open. Uh, you know, uh, it, it makes you think of what what are people's motivations? You know, money. That's of, it. Or or children can be eaten by a large shark. Oh, okay. We'll take the chance because we can't. <laughs> you know, we can't stand losing some money. Uh, yeah. And then Robert Shaw, uh, man, I, I, this is another thing I've heard. He showed up pretty much drunk <laughs> to to he, most of the shootings well, method, he
3: method actor there you yeah. go yeah method <laughs> acting well
5: worked for him in uh, uh richard dreyfus in that drinking scene
2: yeah what yeah. <laughs> I, I think that he might have actually been drunk it that probably scene. was well yeah. i mean a few things it. that
5: you're
4: talking about mark i mean one of the things is just the acting even aside from the characters the fact that i mean i guess that you know it's famous that the shark almost never worked Right. So because the shark was constantly not working, these actors actually had time to like, you know, to work on their characters and to work on ad libbing Yeah, you know, I know that uh that whole scene where um you know uh Brody is uh is kind of having he's sitting down with his kid and they're mimicking each other. Yeah like yeah, you know, yeah. he'll do something. That's something that happened on the fly. You know, and uh, his wife's line about you know you want to get drunk and fool around, that kind of stuff. Like those yeah. are all things that they were ad-libbing as they went through. And the fact that they were able to do that, I think their performances come off as so much more natural. You know, they don't they, they don't feel like they've you know like they just read their lines a few minutes ago, which is something mm-hmm. unfortunately that films today don't get the luxury of. You know, everything is such a tight you know quick shooting schedule. Um, but even aside from the acting, I think that the characters. One of the things I love about them is they're they have these wonderful contradictory aspects. Yeah, you know, like uh, I like how you know Brody, Chief Brody, he hates the water, but he chooses mm-hmm. to live on an island. <laughs> Hooper it comes from a wealthy family, and he can live as comfortably as he wants, but he doesn't. Instead he wants the work of a marine biologist, which is very difficult and dangerous. You know, at least the way that they depict in the film. And then you have Quint, which is just this fascinating character because he resents <laughs> Hooper for his wealth. You know, he hates Hooper the fact that he's not blue collar. Yeah. You know, despite the fact that he has way more in common with Hooper than he does with Brody. But he respects Brody because Brody's blue collar, you know. Like that whole scene when Quint is sitting kind of in the town hall, he's talking to the town council. You know, I think he says he'll kill the shark for what, like ten thousand dollars or something like that. You know, yeah, yeah. he's not talking to his fellow working class fishermen; he's talking to the island's elites. You know, those yeah. people who he doesn't like based on his class's basis. Basics. You know, mm-hmm. he's like he, he just does not like these people. So he says, if you want me to get him, you got to pay me. You know, and it's the same kind of animosity that he shows towards Hooper. And that's why that, that drinking scene that, you know, uh, that, that Captain Creepy was just alluding to, um, yeah. where they're getting drunk, That that's what, it's such a great character moment for all three of
2: them. Yeah. You know, where the, they're, walls, they're, the walls come down.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Quint sees that Hooper has done legitimate time at sea. They're comparing scars. You know, he's willing <laughs> to endanger himself. Hooper finds out that Quint was on the USS in Indianapolis. And then, you know, all three of them Kind of you know, joined together singing "Show Me the Way to Go Home." Yeah. You know, it's it's just this terrific. Like, I mean, I don't know what's like ten minutes maybe or something of screen time. This whole thing, but it's one of the most for me. It's like one of the most perfect chunks of ten minutes of any film. I, I absolutely adore yeah. it. And, it and really you know, great. I've
2: heard people say that that is the most boring part of the film. And I'm oh like, they don't God. know
4: movies. No. I'm
2: like, what are you <laughs> talking about? That's Ugh. like the best part of the film. And and did you notice like when they're comparing scars, Dreyfus looks like it is stomach did you notice that
1: yeah no. yeah he never that.
2: pointed it out because they're you know they they got their legs up look at that there's a tiger shark you know or whatever <laughs> and and uh, dreyfus pulls his shirt up and look not dreyfus um schneider what, what was his uh brody brody looks down he pulls his shirt up and looks down like almost like it was like an appendix or something uh, like appendix scar, because he didn't he didn't have any of those. Scars oh, okay. Now. So he's about
4: to show it, but he doesn't.
2: That kind of yes. thing. Or... Yeah. Yeah. He's like he thought, like, yeah, this appendix scar is gonna look like pretty sissy compared to what these guys are. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's that's what I took out of it. Um, yeah. But and and the good thing about this movie and the characters and the acting is just just like we were talking about with uh, Cargo, you know yeah it had some um some some good things in it, but I just didn't care. uh The movie couldn't make me care about the characters that much. like this one i I cared about the characters like i i was I was glad that uh Richard Dreyfus got out of the cage alive.
1: Mm-hmm. you know
2: <laughs> and when he went down like my wife was watching it with me and and like I said, my seven-year-old son and seven- year- old was like, he's going down there." And I was like, yeah. And then that that, I mean, it almost got him. There was some, there was some moments there that you thought, you know, if, you, if this is the first time you saw, you've seen this, that it could have been curtains, okay, mm-hmm. for Richard Dreyfus. Uh, mm-hmm. But he he gets out and he swims down and hides or whatever. And and, and even at the at the end, you know, when uh, when it's just uh, uh, Hooper on the, um, not Hooper, Brody. Brody yeah. on the, on the, that little tiny bit of boat that's still, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's trying to, show. I mean, it was like exhilarating and I was, I wanted to cheer oh, yeah. when it went, yeah. So uh, it was just, uh, it, it, I understand how some people say it's kind of like an adventure movie. Cause it's like, you know, there's half of the movie where it's, the shark is attacking these, these people in this beach and, and, you know, it's very, um, you know, tense
1: and well, then it's, they kind of the three guys go movie.
2: yeah <laughs> these three guys get on a boat and yeah. they go out and there's like this almost like this adventure music <Wouldn't gasps> yeah exactly I mean <laughs> John Williams goes from the donut
4: you know to the kind of horror theme to this adventure music and you know it's it's a horror film and it's also an adventure film it doesn't have to yeah. be either or you know yeah, it just yeah. it switches gears it's it's moving yeah. us along
2: it's almost like Moby Dick for um uh, for Quint oh, yeah it's a total
4: it's a total boys' adventure you know it's
2: yeah, but re- really, really good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Uh, what What are some facts that you know about this shark, man? Uh, I know that his name was Bruce.
5: I was going to say that. It took mine.
2: Uh, na- named after S- Steven Spielberg's lawyer.
5: Uh, um, that's funny. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I The one little trivia piece I know which most people do, it's probably common knowledge, is that uh, a lot of it was filmed in a tank at Universal Studios in California which I did get to see that on a back lot tour.
2: Has it? Yeah. Has anybody else done that? I remember when I was growing up, I always wanted to go to universal studios and see the jaws coming up uh, out of the water. I never did get to see that.
5: Yeah, they did that. And then they actually take you on the back lot where they actually have the big holding tank where they filmed a lot of it. And it really puts your brain to perspective of, you know, how well they did with making it seem like all that was out in the ocean that they filmed
2: um i'm looking here it says three bruises were made uh one was open on the right side one was open on the left side and the third was a full you know fully skinned and each shark cost approximately a quarter of a million dollars wow yeah and and i think the one that was fully skinned is the one that only really you know they got to work most of the time like like, like vin said it, it was a nightmare. And I think one of the things that uh, really works for this movie was by accident, and that's that you don't see the shark very much until the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: that that is that is because it it would not work. They kept breaking down, and it kept you know, and uh, yeah. So but they I, they decided to keep it keep it hidden most of the time.
4: But what's great is that what Spielberg is able to do is even though the shark is seldom seen, his presence is always felt. Yeah, you know, whether it's the musical cues or the push of the camera, you know, like shark vision almost, or yeah. the lingering shots of the water and you can't really see what's beneath it, you know, because it's all obscured or the lights reflecting on it or something. They they manage to always you manage to always feel the presence of this shark even though you hardly ever
2: see it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, that's yeah uh, you know, the shark vision or whatever the point of view that was pretty cool. Uh, my son was like. Who's that, Daddy? I said that's the shark. <laughs> you know, you see, that's what the shark sees. Everybody's legs <clears throat> kicking, and they see like shiny things and surfboards and, and and stuff like that. And that's what they like. They like the shiny things. So that's that's why they want to eat us. But uh, this is kind of cool. When the the Bruce was built, the the fully skinned one, they never tested it in the water. And when they put it in the water at Martha's Vineyard, its strength say it sank straight to the bottom and they had to take a team of divers to retrieve it (laughs) you'd you'd think that a movie about a shark they would have tested it uh you know before
3: but um,
2: (laughs) what else guys what else
3: uh you had mentioned earlier that uh during the uh ss indianapolis scene uh that it seemed like um Quint was very naturally drunk. Um, I was just reading, as it turns out, uh, the first time they shot that scene, Quint actually was drunk. He figured that since it was a late night scene with all three of them drinking, that he would be able to uh, portray um, a more believable, you know, drunk Quint. Um, As it turns out, all the footage was just terrible. He flubbed many, many lines. Um, You know, they weren't able to salvage any of it. So basically what he did, uh, the actor Robert Shaw, he contacted Steven Spielberg and basically begged him to reshoot those scenes. And the next day they went ahead and reshot the scene and he absolutely nailed it. And he gave us Mm. the classic performance that we see now. So technically he actually is sober that entire scene.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I knew there was something about him showing up drunk. Yeah. But and I think that's why him and Richard Dreyfus did not get along, and um, and I think that is he heckled
4: Dreyfus quite a bit. Yeah.
2: yeah, But in later in life, they they got a little closer, and I, and I think I saw an interview because um, um, Robert um, oh, what's his name? What's his Robert name? Shaw. Robert Shaw passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw an interview, and Dreyfus was pretty like choked up about it. You know, so I think he in uh eventually came to really really like him and respect him but yeah
5: i just saw uh, on uh, IMDB the uh you're going to need a bigger boat line was uh not scripted but was actually ad-libbed
2: yeah that's that's <laughs> what they were that's what uh Vin was saying right the the room to so breathe so much
4: of it is yeah so much of it is ad-libbed I love.
2: Yeah. I just love that look on his face. <laughs> that cigarette is just like dangling. <laughs> I guess that
4: the Indianapolis speech. I mean, some of it. This is an instance where it was an ad lib because Robert Shaw actually helped to write that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, he was also he was a playwright and he was a writer in his own, you know, of his own accord. And he, uh, I guess that first an uncredited writer Howard Sackler had the idea to put Quint in the USS Indianapolis um and he wrote like less than a page and then john millius actually took a crack at it and he wrote like a 10 page speech and robert shaw saw that and he's like there's no way i can memorize all this so he asked spielberg if he could take a shot at it and he pared it down to like about five pages um but so yeah a lot of that really is robert shaw's voice you know him the the words that he's choosing for which i think is, is pretty great and actually i was this is just kind of funny i was uh I was researching the sinking of the Indianapolis, just kind of look a little bit more into it. And, you know, a lot of what, um, a lot of what Quint says is pretty accurate. I mean, there's a few inaccuracies here and there. Like he says that it went down on the 29th of July, but it was actually just after midnight. So technically it was the 30th of July. I mean, little things you can nitpick, but one of the things I came across, I thought was really interesting was the captain of that ship was a guy named Charles B McVeigh, the third. And he was the only, only ship, Commander, Captain in World War II to have been court-martialed. Um, they gave him a court-martial for the ship sinking because this is the this is the worst, like the largest single largest um, loss of life that the U.S. Navy has ever has ever had uh, with this ship going down. Um, and he was convicted of quote hazarding his ship by failing to zigzag, um, even though they actually got the Japanese commander who sunk it, and he said him zigzagging would not have helped um but his sentence was remitted and he was restored to active duty he retired in 1949 as a real rear admiral but even though a lot of the survivors of the indianapolis um they didn't blame him for the sinking a lot of the families who had people die a lot of them harassed him throughout his life um they'd send him christmas cards and they'd say things like merry christmas or holidays our family's holiday would be a lot merrier if you hadn't killed my son you know Oof. and he'd get these things all the time you know going through life and what was interesting that I, I started coming across that I thought was very odd, I ended up having an almost a personal connection here, um, I'm kind of vicarious, but uh, he eventually it got to him too much. He ended up moving to Connecticut for like his last like six or seven years of life. And in 1968, uh, he woke up one morning, he shaved, he combed his hair, he pressed his, his Navy un- uniform, and then he went onto his front lawn and he took his Navy issued revolver and he shot himself in the head. And he had a toy sailor in his other hand when his gardener found him. Um, So he killed himself uh, at 70 years old. And in 1996, there was a sixth grader in Pensacola, Florida, who ended up doing research on him and talking to a lot of the survivors. And Congress ended up actually looking into it, and they exonerated uh, McVeigh Uh, post-mortem. All the charges that they were brought against him in World War II were completely lifted. What I thought was interesting, this is a little personal connection here, um, I was trying to figure out I'm like, okay, he, he seemed to have actually lived nearby me, not too far from where I live, just like t- a town over or so. Um, and I found out that where he was living was actually a place if, as far as I could tell from the internet because you know it's hard to figure out information sometimes I was looking at it today. but today his property is like an upscale cottage um, almost like a motel, but it's, it's very expensive, like luxury cottages. Uh, a place called Winvian, and it turns out my, my uncle, who passed away a couple years ago from cancer, um, he was actually the main caretaker for that place for for years. Um, so I didn't realize that he was a caretaker of the place where the captain of the USS Indianapolis had killed himself. Um, so anyway, that was just, you know, <laughs> when you go down the rabbit hole of the internet, um, just something interesting that I found out today that you know all because of Quint's speech, I started looking into it. Sorry, that was <laughs> very long. Long story, uh, probably not a great payoff, but that was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my contribution. <laughs>
2: very nice, very nice. Did you hey, know we... Charlton Heston
5: was rejected for the role of Brody?
2: Yeah, oh, good. Oh, good. Thank God, uh, I can't <laughs> stand him. Um, only one, uh, one role that he was meant for. You know what that is? Silent um, green.
1: <laughs> it's Planet
2: of
4: the Whoa! Apes. <laughs> uh, the, oh, and be, the... before we totally get off of Quint. There you go. No, hey. That's my, my can. Did, 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 <laughs>
2: was, was it with your head? No. No, Quinn doesn't do it with
3: his head. He crushed it with his hand.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, uh, so.
3: uh, I, I wish I had a plastic cup so I could do Hooper's... A styrofoam cup. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, what about the, uh, the famous... Um, the forward tracking zoom out shot? Love it. That, that yeah. is... But,
3: I that is it's it's a just a feast for the eyes i absolutely love that shot for years i was just I, I was convinced that they had like two different cameras like stacked on top of each other something weird like that but man i absolutely love that shot
2: yeah it, it's really cool and just kind of it, it it's almost like a hitchcockian uh yeah. type of thing very but, much um just just knowing you know he's sitting there and he's on edge anyway because he's allowed this to happen you know he's the he's he's the guy that makes the call event you know the buck stops with him mm-hmm. and he allowed the beach to be open he's you can see he's every every time that somebody screams he's up and then his worst fear you know and it just pulls back and just, a, just a great shot. Now, uh, this mm-hmm. this movie looks great, man. It looks great. I watched it in, uh, in HD, um, and, and it's it's beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful.
3: cinematography um, is absolutely stunning. Even the nighttime shots, like the, some of the really really dark shots, you can still completely tell what's going on. You're not really squinting or having you know having to oh, struggle yeah. to find out you know who's that or what's this. I mean, it's it's masterfully shot. I mean, this is definitely. You know, uh, this is definitely pre, you know, fame Steven Spielberg or, you know, whoever his cinematographer was at the Mm -hmm. time. But, yeah, just absolutely love this. um, Just the look of the movie as well.
4: I mean, you got the the opening kill in the movie, but I mean, that sunset, Yeah, you know, it's just I mean, obviously it's a harrowing scene. It's 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 horrible seeing her get killed. But at the same time, like it's just gorgeous, Mm -hmm. you know, and even like the nighttime shots of the boat and you can see the you know, the, the shooting stars going by and stuff like that. And it's yeah, it's just a fantastically beautiful movie. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
2: and, and that that scene is just, you know, they they kind of um, strapped her to these uh, these weights and just like drug her through the water. Yeah, snapped her back and forth. I think she kind of got injured there a couple times, and um, man, it just really looked like something had a hold of her. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah, you know, pretty inventive the way they did it, and uh, it. it, it the sound i was we were talking about the sound when she was like she was screaming and mm-hmm. then it just went silent yep. yeah like she went underwater it was, and it was just silent and yep. the guys and her boyfriends passed out on the beach you know and she just <laughs> died out there but uh I mean, just the yeah
4: they do that with the sound i mean even you know when you have uh when little well, was alex kettner right when he's killed you have the whole panic of everybody running out of the beach and stuff like that. And then it gets quiet and you just hear his mother yelling for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep.
4: You know, it's just when they, you know, they do that, that, you know, everything gets quiet and you're you focusing on that one thing, that one tragic thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then they do the underwater, you know, how things sound underwater sure. as well. Like they, they do that and then they come out of it and then back to it. And it, it's just got a lot of, uh,
3: Nuance to it, it's yeah. Stuff. It definitely Fair. earned its sound editing uh Oscar.
5: Random note Dude. for the uh cin- cinematographer Bill Butler, he also did Grease, he did uh One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, and oh. deliver and Deliverance. So
2: there you go. Wow, wow. 75 hey. was a good year for him, man. It was, and and Rocky too. Oh, oh well, and Rocky 3. What? Oh, no, <laughs> it's That's getting right, better, pal. That's right, pal. <laughs> And, and his uh, claim to fame, really, is 1991's uh, Hot Shots, <laughs> <laughs> starring, starring Charlie Sheen.
5: And 1997's Anaconda.
2: Yes. Oh, wow. Anaconda. And yeah, well,
3: 1996's when, is Flipper. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, went from Jaws to
2: Flipper. That's right. He's, he's still living. He's still living. He was born in 1921, so he's a little older, but he's still living. so wow. yeah, I don't think he's working anymore. But, yeah, very, very good job. Um, yeah. I can't there's there's not enough good things I could say oh, yeah. about about this movie now let's talk about anything that we think might be a you know a weakness or, or any or, are there any I uh, know I don't have anything listed.
3: I I can't imagine a dislike to this movie. I mean, you you had mentioned earlier that some people have problems with the pacing. Um and you know, some people maybe thought it was a little dull. I think I think they just missed um kind of what Spielberg was going for and specifically I want to bring up that Alex Kinter scene because there's probably a good three to five minutes of buildup before Alex is attacked where the camera's just, you know, panning over the beach and it's showing like, you know, it'll show Alex. Then it'll show like an old lady floating, uh, you know, in the water. Then it'll show like somebody else. It's almost like it's showing us who the potential next victim is. And obviously mm-hmm. as a, as moviegoers, we would never expect it to be the child. We would always expect, you know, it's going to be an adult. It's going to be one of the older people. But yeah, they they went right for the heartstrings and they took out Alex. But the, the point I was trying to make is the tension building – in that scene is just masterful, it, yeah. especially on rewatch when you know what's coming. Maybe on the first watch you're not totally savvy to what's kind of you know about to happen, but on rewatch that scene, I, I was I was definitely struck by that scene in particular on um, this uh, latest watch. I just I couldn't get over just the the camera work, the sound design, just everything about that scene was stellar and uh yeah and and they do it again later on um uh where was it uh when the i think uh just later on when uh, just in one of the basic beach scenes um again building some great tension before an inevitable jaws attack so
2: yeah it was when it was when the kids were doing the prank yes thank you you know and 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 then they uh realize that the shark is in the pond Mm-hmm. And then uh, their son's in the pond. And oh man, that guy gets his leg bitten off and it like floats <laughs>
3: down to the bottom. Yeah. That, that that's was stuff. rough.
2: Yeah, it's good stuff.
3: It's oh, good stuff. Amazing stuff. Yeah. For sure. Uh, did you yeah. guys, I wanted to bring up, did you guys, uh, did anybody ever see uh still shots from the deleted Alex Kinter attack? Because yes. the. the the original attack was going to be a lot more violent. It was going to yep. be it was going to be more reminiscent of like what we saw in The Shallows uh, yep. when the shark attacks one of the surfers, where yep. he actually rears up out of the water and actually engulfs. Um, Alex. um, So there's no, they lost the footage. So there's no film or video footage of that. But there's a few still shots out there that aren't too hard to find. And they look amazing. Uh, What that scene would have been that could have potentially gotten the movie a hard R rating had that scene stayed in the way Spielberg intended it to be. So yeah, l- uh, listeners go out and look for those still shots. Uh, you, especially after what we, you know, what we get is still great, but it, it's just so much more visceral and terrifying to actually see most of the shark's body out of the water and biting down on Alex that. Oof.
2: Yeah. I'm going to, um, I'll try to put a, uh, uh, a link to it in our show notes. Cause I got it up right here and it's, nice. it's, I, I wish they'd have done it. Yeah. But uh, man, I don't know why
3: the, you just said they just lost it. Uh I, or, I think, I think Spielberg decided not to use it because he thought it was a little bit too shocking. And then just in the interim, they just kind of lost where the footage went. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can you can see it on uh Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make a, a, uh, a link to it in the show notes. If you want to take a look at it, it's, it's pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I saw that a couple years ago and I was like, that can't be real. <laughs> it, is. it is. So <clears throat> any, any other things about this movie that you want to oh. say?
3: there was one other shot that I wanted to bring up. That's a little bit, it's not quite like the shot of Roy of Brody on the beach that we were talking about earlier, but I still find it very, I found it very effective and it's the shot of the Orca actually pulling off the pier and the camera is actually inside the boathouse. And as it zooms in to the Orca, it's actually going through one of the uh, cleaned um, shark jaws. Yes. (laughs) I love that shot. I had forgotten all about that shot and, Uh, on rewatch this week i was just in absolute awe of just it's so ominous i mean because you know what they're going out to do and then there's this big set of shark jaws coming towards the camera i absolutely love that shot
6: yes uh
4: one one thing that i wanted to bring up uh get your guys opinion on um you know you you look at that USS annapolis speech all right and Yeah, one of the things that Quint says is, you know, he says that sometimes that shark looks right at you, right into your eyes. And the thing about a shark is it's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. And it made me wonder, you know, obviously this film created a lot of countless knockoffs, right? But what do you think about having a hand in creating something like Michael Myers and the Terminator? This, just this kind of machine killer, you know, whose motivations are singular, whose only goal is to kill you. You know, it's kind of like when Kyle Reese is saying, you know, it can't be bargained with, or reasoned with, it doesn't feel pity or remorse. And then you got Dr. Loomis talking about, you know, the, the the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I mean, what do you guys think about jaws setting up setting the stage for these kind of killers to come afterwards?
3: I completely agree. I never really thought about it, but yeah, that's yeah. that's a val- very valid point. Michael Myers is jaws on two
2: legs, man. That's Absolutely. What it is. Jaws yeah, in the suburbs, definitely.
4: right? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> definitely. Most definitely and, and if no one can say that this movie wasn't like a an eye opener and, and a and a um an inspiration for for you know stalking type movies. Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: And I actually had a question for you guys and I might be I might be picking at straws here. Uh you know, it's just something that I noticed on this last rewatch. Um, do you guys notice that Brody f- doesn't eat? In the entire movie, like every scene where it's either a dinner scene or there's a plate of food in front of him, his plate is full, Um, specifically uh, the Indianapolis scene. There's three plates of food on the table. The plate in front of Hooper and Quint are both empty. The plate in front of um, Brody is completely untouched. And then the dinner scene earlier at, at he gives um, his dinner to
4: Bro uh, to Hooper, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, Hooper yeah. steals his dinner basically, <laughs> which once again was untouched. I was thinking, uh, do you guys think that there's anything to that? Was Spielberg trying to convey something, or is is it just me kind of picking uh, at nothing?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I never noticed it, and, and you know, all the stuff that I uh, have read as far as you know trivia, mm-hmm. there's no, there's nothing.
3: Yeah, um. I was wondering, because um, Brody, yeah, cause Brody obviously drinks. I mean, he mm. had that giant glass of wine at that dinner with Hooper. And um, so he obviously is a very heavy drinker, but doesn't eat very much. So mm. um, I don't know if you guys ever heard the um, the fan theory. And I hate to bring up fan theories, but you know sometimes I'll find them mildly fascinating. Um, I had read a fan theory a few years ago that said that this entire movie was all in Brody's head. That none of this happened, that it was all just like a a drunken stupor that he went on because he's just a major alcoholic who never eats. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Had had one too many coconut rums, right? Possibly.
3: (laughs) Right, Captain Creepy?
5: I'm not thinking about sharks when I'm drinking that coconut rum, although I am listening (laughs) to some Jimmy Buffett, so maybe. There you (laughs)
3: go. But yeah, I remember reading this fan theory and thinking that it had – you know, obviously, almost any th- fan theory could have a little bit of validity to it, you know, especially when it's well written and the author gives you a few points to defend their theory. And this particular one, it, it actually made me scratch my head like, oh, shit. And don't forget, Brody recently started at Amity. Um, so part of that fan theory is that he was an alcoholic in New York as well and that he actually got shipped out, that they kicked him out of New York and sent him. <laughs> Sent him to the town with like the lowest crime rate in the country, so you know it, it had little points like that to kind of support it. Which I, obviously, you know, the author is yeah. reaching; he's definitely reaching. But I just remember thinking, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Obviously, it ruins one of the greatest movies ever if it turns out it's just a you know a alcoholic stupor from the town sheriff. But I don't know; I found it interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I read this. This is uh, interesting. Uh, Oliver Reed was offered the role of quint been interesting him. yeah i like him talk about I being like drunk him. on set, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i read I like somewhere
3: Aubrey. i read somewhere that robert duvall actually asked spielberg to be quint he actually wanted to be quint and spielberg said no you're just too young i need somebody older in that role yeah
2: <laughs> yeah um Last thing I want to say is, is a little bit about the movie as far as when it was supposed to open and when it actually did it open and how much money it made. Uh, it it actually opened, like I said, on June 20th, 1975. It was supposed to be uh, Christmas in 1974. Filming ran way over, uh, and it was pushed back to the summer. And I, d- I didn't really realize this. I know, I know I said it was kind of like the first summer blockbuster, but... <laughs> You know how like January and February are nowadays? Mm -hmm. Summer was traditionally when the worst movies were dumped into theaters.
3: Did you you realize that? Uh, It kind of makes sense. I mean, most people don't want to sit in a movie theater when the weather's nice.
2: Yeah. But the film was so good, uh, people actually went and see it. And it became the highest grossing film of all time up to that point. And it was the first film to ever gross over $100 million at the box office. You know, uh, now that hundred million dollar mark, that's like the benchmark mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, did it make, did it make a hundred million? Well, most movies, you know, if you're a Marvel movie, if you didn't make 900 million, then you're a, a flop a hundred million for a regular movie, uh, you know, that was set by, by Jaws. So yeah, man, I, I really like this movie. I don't think there's anything really negative to say, yes, there could, could there be more shark? Yeah, but then you know, I think that it might, it might have been seen too much. There's a there's a reason why you, you know they held back. Less is more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I think Spielberg was was worried that it, the more he sh- saw it, more he showed it, the more people are going to realize it's fake. So uh, yeah, but it was good. It was good, oh yeah, good good, good enough. <laughs> so there and you then go. Let's, last... let's
3: rate let's rate it man what, yeah. what, what are you gonna say the last i what? was just gonna say that i i i love that lab the final shot of the film with brody oh, yeah. and hooper swimming away from the camera but then you've yeah. still got a little bit of shark blood like in the foreground i love yeah. that shot that is awesome <laughs> yeah
2: oh man let's rate it man i'm gonna go ahead and go first <laughs> uh, this movie is i'd say a 9.75 I'm not exactly sure why this movie is not like in my top 10 horror movies. You know, I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe it's all the talk that this isn't a horror movie, you know, and and maybe I need to, you know, reconsider my top 10 because this is just a a fantastic movie. Uh, You really should go out and purchase it. If you've never seen it, trust me, go out and purchase the Blu-ray blind. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm almost positive you'll love it. So, uh, uh, yep, 9.75 out of 10. What about you, Vin?
4: Uh, I have no problem giving this a 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is about as perfect a film as they come. Um, It's wonderfully written, acted, directed, edited. Um, And for me, for my money, there's no better summer afternoon movie. Um, It's just an absolute prime example of quality filmmaking.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. There you go, Mr. Venom. Uh, I have to echo everything Vin said. This is an absolute ten out of ten for me, and the fact that this thing still sells out screenings, um, especially—I don't know if you guys have ever seen where they'll do like screenings on the water, where everybody has like a flotation device. Yes, um, yes, um, they, I never yeah, ever do it oh I, I if it's not the ocean i'll absolutely do it <laughs> but they do it out here in california so i'm pretty sure it's probably the ocean so i probably <laughs> wouldn't uh, but but i know they do it at various locations around the country and they always sell out so i mean a movie that instills this much fear of being in the water yet people are still willing to wade in water in the middle of the, in the dark to watch this two hour film just says so much about this film. And uh, you know, if it weren't for me not wanting to kind of interlope on uh shark's territories, I would probably do it myself, but yeah, 10 out of 10. Yes. And captain creepy.
5: I'm right there with all you guys, uh, except uh, for Mark. Cause he gave it a 9.7. I'm, I'm there with the, Definitely a 10, my favorite director of all time, my favorite composer of all time. The cinematography, outstanding on this movie. It's a a flawless movie. Definitely a buy, and definitely at least watch watch it once a year. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I'm not, you know what, I'm not sure why I'm holding back that .25. I really don't, I really don't know. Do you only hand
4: out 10s to your top 10 movies?
2: No, because not not every movie in my top ten is a ten. Ooh. If that make if that makes sense. Actually that,
3: yeah, that's the same for me, actually, now that I think about it.
2: Yeah. Um Yeah. I'm trying to think of what it is that's holding me back from giving it a perfect ten. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. But anyway, I'm not gonna change it now, it's too late. We almost <laughs> had a forty out of forty. Right. Thanks thanks to me. We got a 39.75 out of 40. Uh, all right. Well, that's our uh, discussion on 1975's Jaws. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about 2016's The Shallows. And uh, while we're on the break, here is the trailer for that movie.
0: Hey! You should come over here. I'm good here. Thank you.
6: I want to let you know I made it here. Mom was right. It took forever to find, but it's perfect.
1: What did you say the name of this place was?
6: This is Paradise. 40 yards. It takes them 32 seconds.
2: Uh-uh. Alright, we are back. And we're going to go right into our second feature review uh, during Shark Week, and that is 2016's The Shallows. You just heard the trailer. This was a PG-13 movie, uh, hour 26 minutes long. Uh, Came out in in 2016 on June 24th. Right now holds a 6.3 out of 10, with about 97,000 reviews on IMDb. This was directed by, uh, is it Jaume Colette
3: Sarah?
2: Jamais. Jamais. Yep. Jamais Colette Sarah. Uh, Anthony Jawinski uh, was the writer. Stars The Lovely, Blake Lively, Mrs. Ryan Reynolds, Mrs. Deadpool. Mrs. Deadpool. <laughs> um, that's a lucky man. Uh, Oscar Giannada as Carlos. Uh, Angelo Jose Lesagno Corzo as Surfer. Uh, and there's just, you know, Brett Cullen as dad, Sedonia uh, Legge as Chloe. Let's just say this. This is mostly a one-woman show.
5: Okay?
1: Hey, Don't
2: don't, uh, there's, don't there's,
5: forget there's... about the seagull, pal. That seagull, the seagull. He should have won an Academy Award for this movie.
3: Sully, Sully <laughs> the seagull. Sully... Steven Seagull. Well,
5: yes, exactly. Oh, what Steve... say.
3: I, uh, I want to see a Steven Seagull movie.
5: That's
1: right.
5: Oh, God. <laughs>
3: Uh, by the way, did you know
2: that Steven Seagal is banned from ever coming back to host SNL? Yes. Because he was such, such a jerk. I did know that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, just a little, little bonus for you. Uh, yeah. So this is, uh, this is a movie that is, is relatively new. So we're going to try to, to not spoil like the ending or anything, but you know, there, there might be a few things, uh, that we, um, we say that, uh, I don't know. If you don't want to know anything about it, then go watch it first before you listen to us. Uh, All right, Mr. Venom, tell us, tell us what this movie is about.
3: All right. Well, uh, when Nancy played by Blake Lively is surfing on a secluded beach, she finds herself on the feeding ground of a great white shark. Though she stranded only two hundred yards from shore, survival proves to be the ultimate test of wills, requiring all of Nancy's ingenuity, resourcefulness, and fortitude. I like it. Fortitude,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, this this was a movie that I wanted to see right off. Uh, I love a good shark movie, I really do. And and let's let's talk real quick about like, remember Open Water?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: And I hated
5: the end of the movie. It was horrible.
3: <laughs> and then there's isn't there another one called uh, The Reef? There's three of. Oh, oh, I, uh, you meant other ones? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah,
2: The Reef, and I, I actually think I like The Reef better than Open Water. I'm not a big Open Water
3: fan. I don't believe I saw The Reef, but yeah, Open Water was, you know, it, it, it was a well-made movie, but it it didn't really do a whole lot for me. Yeah. And that so, was supposed be, to
5: be based on real-life events, too. Yes.
3: That one. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: And so was The Reef, I believe. But, you know, because of a movie like Jaws, when a, when a shark movie comes out, it makes me want to see it. Because sharks are just fascinating for me and scary. So I was looking forward to going to see this. So I'm going to give you my first impression. Uh, I saw it at the theaters. Uh, first impression was really, really liked this movie. Um, it's definitely not a perfect movie. That's got some issues, um, including the ending, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. weird. Uh, but man, it was a beautiful movie. Um, the cinematography in this movie, about uh, Flavio Libiano.
5: I know. That's all it, I could it, think about through the whole entire movie.
2: Yeah. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was, um, Uh, it was shot on location at what is it? The gold coast yeah, in Australia or someplace, but man, it was, it was gorgeous. Uh, You had the, the, the surf, the sun, the beach, and you had Blake Lively in a bikini. Uh, (laughs) It was really uh, a nice movie to look at. And uh, I kind of liked the fact that it was like a one woman show. There wasn't a ton of characters, um, but my my first impressions were definitely not Jaws. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but I thought like, if you're going to, if you're going to put Jaws right here and you're going to say, okay, what other shark movies have come out since Jaws? I think I said at the time, this was probably one of the better shark movies since Jaws. That's just what I said. And that, that didn't mean that this movie is on par with Jaws. It just meant, like, in in the handful of shark movies that came out, I mean, we're talking about Open Water and The Reef and, and uh, Deep Blue Sea and those sorts of things. I thought this was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reverend Venn, what did you think? First impressions. Did you see it at the theaters?
4: No, I saw it as a rental. I don't remember if I saw it actually in 2016 or if it was early 2017. But I I remember, I mean, I enjoyed the movie overall. You know, you mentioned it's certainly visually appealing in more ways than one. Uh, kept my interest for its runtime. Um, I think there's a camp quality to it, uh, to some of the aspects that I do find kind of endearing. Um, however, it, it still felt like kind of a disposable film to me. Um, not something that I needed to continuously return to eagerly. You know, it's it's for me it's it was it was a popcorn flick and it was a good popcorn flick, but still it was, you know, pretty much the definition of like a summer popcorn flick
3: for me. All right. Mr. Venom. Um I unfortunately did not see this movie in theaters. Um I actually watched this for the first time two nights ago. Yes, really? first time ever. Yeah. Um that that summer of 2016 Uh, was a little before I was podcasting so I wasn't really committed to seeing every single movie that came out and Mm -hmm. at the time you know I wasn't real eager to run out and see another shark movie Uh, Mm -hmm. as you had mentioned every shark movie that comes out is compared to Jaws and it's one of those things that you know uh, the listeners already heard most of us gave Jaws a 10 out of 10 so it's like nothing is going to compare to it I mean something Mm -hmm. something's going to have to be like the godfather of of shark movies to be able to talk Jaws um but yeah I'm kind of with Vin on this one I, I feel like I wouldn't quite say it's a disposable film I did enjoy it um just to let you know, I actually watched it in a 4K scan because I could not find this to stream or rent anywhere. Um, not Amazon Prime, iTunes. Nobody had it to rent. You had to purchase it, and it was actually it was actually cheaper to just go to Best Buy and pick up the the 4K Blu-ray. So that's what I did, and I watched it, like I said, a couple of nights ago here at home on my big 4K screen. And wow, I, this movie is gorgeous. I mean. And the underwater scenes are amazing. I mean... Yep. The shots from outside the water where you can see everything all the way down to the bottom are are obviously, you know, crystal clear blue water. Those are obviously gorgeous. But under something about the color correction that they used on the film uh, for the underwater scenes, just it, it almost made it look dreamlike at yeah. times. You know, there, there would be like purples and yellows. and And obviously, whenever there was a shark attack, there'd be reds in the water. Um, And I just I was definitely struck by how just beautiful this movie is. Um, I I, as I mentioned, I agree with Vin. This is a popcorn movie. This is definitely something that you get together with some people and you just kind of have a good time, you know, watching this shark dispatch all of its uh, all of the intruders into his feeding ground. Um, but yeah, I, I probably lean more towards Mark as far as my initial reaction. I've only seen the movie once, but now that I own it, I'll probably, you know, I'll I'll check it out. It definitely, it's a good, it seems like a good summer afternoon, just kind of kill an hour and a half. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you get to see Blake Lively in a bikini and, you know, you get to see a pretty, one of the best CG sharks I've probably ever seen in my life. Um, which we'll obviously get to that in a little bit, but um yeah, yeah I'm, I I was definitely on board with this one uh, the ending definitely takes a, a some major suspension of disbelief but, you know um without getting into you know how the movie ends or whatever there's uh there's a little bit of an action sequence that you know suddenly uh, our our heroine, Blake Lively, you know, suddenly is Aquaman. So, you know, yeah. whatever.
2: It's, it's a little <laughs> cartoony.
3: A little, a little bit, yeah. yeah. But I yeah. did still enjoy it for whatever it's worth. And yeah, the, the yeah. final shot there, which I won't give away, I loved. I actually thought that was really cool. Like, you know, how they kind of ended the story there. Uh, yeah. Very cool, you know. Uh, not Maybe not the most action-packed movie, though for a movie that's not nearly... Um, ultra action-packed, I feel like they missed a lot of opportunities to build tension. You know, we obviously spent the last hour talking about Jaws and how masterfully they were able to build tension in a lot of those scenes. And this movie, I feel like the the filmmakers kind of dropped the ball a little bit on tension. Like, the most tension we got was really just her either, you know, sitting on a rock formation, um, you know, hiding inside the buoy You know, while while, you know, with shots of the shark kind of swimming around her, which, you know, visually it's cool, but it doesn't really, you know, ramp up the tension for me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's definitely, as you mentioned, it's not a perfect film. There's a lot of improvements that could have been made, but I feel like for what we got, uh, I enjoyed it. You know, this is uh this is probably like the Marvel movie of shark movies for me. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just, a, movie, it's yeah. just a guilty pleasure. Lots of CG, um, you know, some, some cool shots here and there. You know, not really a whole lot of great acting or dialogue. Obviously, as you had already mentioned, Blake Lively kind of drives the bus on this movie. And, you know, she's a good actress, don't get me wrong. But I feel like she was maybe shackled a little bit um, in in this film. Because I've seen her do melodramatic stuff that comes off Mm. very believable and very enjoyable. And I feel like maybe the director didn't really let her cut loose as much as she could have. So, you know, initial reaction. I like the film, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Let me,
2: let me just say that it's not a horror movie. You might think I'm uh, (laughs) uh, a wimp to, to say it, but watch Blake Lively in the age of Adeline. If you've never seen it, it's, it's about a, a girl, uh, who something happens. She has a car wreck or whatever, but she can't age. Hmm. She can't age. That's interesting. Uh, I'll just leave leave it at that. It's it's uh you know it's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, what about you? Uh, there, creepy Keith or creepy? I'm sorry, Captain Creepy. Creepy.
5: That, Let's get it right. Captain Creepy. Uh, that's a mouthful. Um, especially when you're drinking coconut rum. But a little known boring fact about Captain Creepy is that I love surf movies, and uh, you know, some of this is uh, reminiscent of like the endless summer. Uh, you know, there's more dialogue in that. Of course, you guys probably don't even mess with that kind of movies. But uh, uh, like that, it combines that with you know your classic shark movies. And uh, and Blake Lively is definitely nice to look at. And uh, uh, this is kind of like Castaway, where there's you know no doubt di- the uh, the pelican or whatever the seagull is the soccer ball in this movie. Yes, I will so say <laughs> yeah, exactly Steven um, Seagull <laughs> it's funny if you look at the back of the, the blu-ray case He's he even gets a little uh, photo shot there so mm-hmm. you know he's definitely a, a credited cast member um, but yeah uh, I agree with that what everybody else is saying just the cinematography on this like Jaws just amazing I wish uh, I had the 4k like Jerry does and uh I, I can't only imagine what that looks like but uh one day I would like to own that but yeah this is one that um uh when i first impressions on it i rented it um and i liked it immediately and i haven't watched it since uh we were doing this review so i, I just watched this a couple of weeks ago so it was it was fun re-watching it again some of it uh you know there's a lot of goofs and a lot of inconsistencies and uh but yeah i think it's a uh, worth buying and uh one that i would go back and revisit again probably next year
2: yeah you know i think this movie did well at the theater uh they they weren't expecting it to do very well uh 17 million dollars was the budget it made a 16.8 million on its opening weekend wow so it so it pretty much recouped its budget opening weekend. Ended up uh, making sixty-eight point eight million dollars worldwide, and I think it kind of um, opened people's eyes that hey, shark movies at the, at the theater can make some money.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, uh, at, at not uh, not that great of a cost. But I, I mean, now now we've got um, Meg. Mm-hmm. coming out uh here well
5: uh, i'm gonna go weeks? see that I'm, yeah two I'm, weeks. I'm ready
2: yeah no that's definitely looks like it's an adventure thriller you know type of thing you know it's got jason statham he'll probably ride the shark <laughs> or something you know but uh yeah watch,
3: watching the trailer for the meg i get a distinct jaws 3 vibe to it Oh, God, no. Yeah, sadly. I mean, hopefully that's not what we get when we go to the theater to see it. But just watching the trailer, watching the, like, the little girl walk through that tunnel, and then having the Meg kind of bite that chunk out of it, it's very Jaws 3. <laughs> yeah,
2: I hope not. I hope not, because Jaws 3 is an abomination. <laughs> Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. and Jaws is at SeaWorld, and yeah. that is the worst Like completely still you know shark that's just floating towards the pretty class. much yeah. oh gosh it's so bad uh, um but yeah uh, it, so i think that it, that it uh, showed that these kind of movies can be uh um you know profitable uh, i would like to say that um Blake Lively did win uh well she didn't win she was a nominee uh of uh, for the golden schmoes award hmm. uh best tna of the year <laughs> i was gonna say is it like a rosie <gasps> yeah, that, <it> <laughs> that, that's what she was you know and that's a shame because it was better yeah. it was better than that okay she was also nominated for a teen choice award um and what else that's about it i'm looking oh a saturn award which is you know pretty decent yeah. for a horror you know best thriller film, so and it was a nominee didn't win. All right, so one thing about this movie is is again it's it's more of a one woman show. There's a couple of other um, you know there's a guy that that is driving her in to this place. She basically is going in. Her mother has died of, of I guess cancer, and she wanted uh, her daughter to surf in the same place that she had surfed long, you know, you know, 20 years before. So she's going there to kind of reconnect with her mom and do this thing that her mom wanted her to do. And it's, and it's, it's one of these places that's like hidden, right? You know, it's not, it's not a public beach or anything. You can only get there, you know, by somebody driving who knows and dropping you off. So she's there all alone Mm -hmm. and uh, two surfers are the only other people besides for flashbacks that that you see. Um so I think they do a pretty good job with her, you know, she's through the flashbacks and through things on her phone. I think she talks to her sister. Uh one of the things that I didn't really like that much is when the they do the whole when when they text Oh the picture in picture. Up. Yeah, it oh, pops
3: up on the I screen.
2: Agree. That was awful. Uh, yeah, I'm not really about that. A lot of movies do that now nowadays and I'm not not fond of that but
3: there's usually a purpose to it like i didn't feel like there was a purpose to it here because all the pictures that were in the picture in picture you could actually still see on the face of the phone that she was holding in her hand so it's it's almost like it was pointless it it was just like to show hey look what we can do and 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 it just distracted me more than anything maybe
5: yeah maybe maybe they did that for later on because of the uh, her the timing that she had to get to the rock and all that.
3: Yeah. That was acceptable. Yeah.
5: But but maybe that's why they had that attached to it. I don't know. Uh, Maybe.
3: I I think they just took a good idea and just abused it too much. Like if it would have just been her watch, you know, with the, with the timer on it, that's much more acceptable. And, and you can even give us the whole, you know, uh, well, that's what it was. It was the countdown to high tide or low tide, I believe, or high tide. No, it was the countdown to high tide because obviously all her, uh, All her spots where she was hiding were going to be we're going to end up underwater once the high tide came in. So, yeah. But yeah, I just I did not like it on that car ride. And, And it's terrible, too, because I enjoyed that scene, that opening scene of her driving out to the beach with the guide. I actually enjoyed the back and forth that they had. Um Obviously, watching this for the first time, I didn't know what to expect. So I honestly thought that he was actually going to be kind of a nefarious character that he was actually and I almost I almost thought about it like he was going to be like the Betty White in Lake Placid where he's actually feeding this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad I was wrong, incredibly glad that I was wrong um, because it just, you know, it, it made the ending of the movie a little bit more meaningful for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I honestly thought that this was going to be some kind of conspiracy um, type thing, especially because nobody wanted to tell her the name of the beach. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. the name of the beach is probably like Shark Beach or Tiburon, you know, uh, whatever, you know, something with shark in it. And so obviously they're not going to tell her, but that's why that's why instantly I'm like, why does no one want to tell her the name of this beach? Obviously, as movie viewers, we have our theories. And that was mine that, you know, that somehow they take American tourists and purposely take them there just to kind of feed their pet shark. But yeah, like I said, very glad I was wrong.
4: That goes to my problem with I didn't always really entirely understand her motivations or her decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, she she seems to put herself in potentially dangerous situations pretty easily. You know, she has no problem being alone in secluded places with strange men. All right. Yeah. And you think they could be potentially more dangerous than anything else that's in the water. You know, I, I just didn't really, I mean, you know, uh, this is, this is only within the first five minutes. So this isn't like a big spoiler yeah. or anything like that, but you know, her guidance of asking her, like, how are you getting out of here? You know, do you want, want me to come back for you or anything like that? And she's like, Oh no, just, you know, I got it. Like, what is her plan?
1: Yeah, you know, exactly.
4: she she, has she doesn't even know where she is. She she seems to be very long way from civilization, and she's just like, no, just go. I mean, I I don't. I, there there's certain decisions that this character makes that I don't quite get. It's just a little bit too convenient because movie has to happen. Yeah. You know, even her whole crisis that she's having. You know, I understand that you know her mother died, um, but I didn't really understand the drama that she was going through. It didn't really come off as very. Uh, it, it kind of felt a little bit phony and contrive to me so that whole beginning there's parts of it that i like but there's other things with the setup i'm like i don't even know what this character is actually trying to do here
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh very true yeah yeah you got to suspend your disbelief you know for for this thing to work (laughs) now again talking about the surfing scenes uh captain Creepy. Uh, I thought the surfing Uh scenes were pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Really, really good shots. Uh, None of that was Blake Lively.
3: Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, that with the 4K scan, it's very obvious. You could see where they superimposed her face on the other surfer's body. It's very very obvious on the 4K. It doesn't necessarily look bad. I'm not saying that it took me out of the movie. I'm just saying that the the picture is so clear that you could actually see, you could just tell that that face doesn't belong on that body, basically. Oh well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because like scenes... Gladly has such an ugly body. Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> although and, by the way, she was pregnant during this movie.
5: Yeah, I saw that. This
2: whole
4: beginning, it, it really has a whole music video feel to it.
2: Yes,
1: you yeah. know the yeah. the
4: music that's playing, but also like they keep like they keep going into slow mo with the surfing and, you know, it looked really pretty, but also it got a little bit tiresome. Boy, uh-huh. But <laughs> um, but it definitely yeah. looked good.
2: It's it's kind of like. Um, the i wouldn't even say MTV age because this is not the MTV age the 80s was the MTV Definitely
4: age. influenced by MTV though.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it but it's it's like this the millennial answer to jaws. You know what I'm saying this is what mm-hmm. they think um jaws should be, you know, really good cinematography, cool cool music, you know, hot girl in a bikini and cool surfing and then a shark. That's By the way, if you if you think about it, the shark in this movie is probably three times the size of Jaws, isn't it? I mean, it's
3: huge. I wouldn't go. I mean, Jaws is around the same. Twenty five
2: feet. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this thing looked like a diesel truck.
3: I mean, he could have been like potentially thirty feet, but I mean, a forty foot shark. I mean, you're you're almost talking about megalodon size now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was a little bit. It was, de- for me, it was right?
3: definitely smaller than the whale, than the dead whale carcass that was floating there. But yes. yeah. I I I would probably put it right around the same size as uh Bruce. Bruce, yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly.
2: Um what else? What else are we gonna uh we talk about this? What else are we gonna say about
3: this? Come on. <laughs> Uh, I mean, so, good, bad, ugly. So many computer-generated animals. It just seems like all the animals <laughs> in here, including Steven Seagull. I, I understand that in some scenes, Steven Seagull was actually a trained seagull, but there were shots, especially during the initial shark attack, where all the birds that were kind of diving into the water, those were all CG. Um, mm-hmm. the crabs, all the little crabs that were like walking around both the beach and then the rock that she was um, kind of perched on. Those were all CG and and, uh, and obviously the shark. So it's like, man, they, 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 their CG budget on this must have been monstrous. Yeah. Well, this
4: is definitely a film that feels like it's working off of an algorithm. You know, I mean, like, Blake Levy, it's it kind of looks like a sports illustrated swimsuit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, photo shoot pretty much uh, for most of it um, they do a pretty good job with makeup and making her look somber and stuff like that but uh, you know a lot of times it's her kind of posing um, <laughs> but uh yeah I mean obviously they know their target audience um, the only thing that yeah you, know, you had mentioned earlier the it, they had a lot of more opportunities to build tension and they didn't take it um, and I definitely thought that that was um, that was unfortunate you know when when we do see deaths or we see the shark he's played for jump scares rather than tension Mm -hmm. you know if we had gotten to know some of the victims a little bit longer maybe or you know Mm -hmm. other circumstances we might have actually cared when they get taken out um because otherwise it's just a little jump scare and then that's it you don't really care about any of it uh so you know there were opportunities for a lot more a lot more tension anxiety to be brought out and more emotional impact and they didn't take that route
3: yeah they definitely made this a one woman show at the cost of the supporting cast
2: yeah Mm-hmm. No, let me tell you this though. I got jump scared in this movie. That oh yeah, first, there was a part right yeah, jump, too. Yeah, absolutely, me too. There's one jump scare in this movie. I think I sharted <laughs> in my pants. I was waiting for that because, word all night
5: long, and we got it.
2: <laughs> yes, and I'm telling you, I just was not expecting it at all. And there was a lot of people saying how bad it looked or whatever. I didn't think it looked bad at all. Like, I I was like that, that particular scene, that particular shot, I thought it looked great, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for what it was CGI. Um, But what uh, what scene was that, Mark? I'm not, I can't, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's just think back. It's the big jump scare of the movie.
5: You're talking about like a little bit. Oh yeah, in the beginning. I was going to say later on in the movie, but with the other, uh, with the two no, guys.
2: About it, yeah, yeah, two guys. Okay,
5: yeah. gotcha, gotcha.
2: Yeah, it's about halfway through. Yeah, yeah, probably,
5: gotcha. but okay. it's definitely
3: yeah. a surprise.
5: Yep, I got. Okay. It. Yeah,
2: in the theater, in the theater, like my popcorn went everywhere.
3: <laughs> I
2: was not expecting it, but uh, did you guys well,
3: notice? Yeah. Oh, did you guys go notice ahead, ahead. that um, this shark wasn't attacking to feed. He was killing. Oh, no. He was just killing. Like, you know, there was the there was the beachcomber that he killed that, you know, a little bit of a hokey death. If you if you ask me, I I won't get into, you know, the actual the way that he was dispatched. But, yeah, when you actually see it, it's like, wait a minute, how the hell would a shark even do that? Um, and then uh, later on, uh, the first surfer that's attacked, we see pretty much his entire body on the beach, you know, not missing any limbs or anything. And same thing with Blake Lively. Like it doesn't seem like the shark was trying to take necessarily take chunks out of her so much as he just wanted to kill her. Like th- this was an angry shark.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one, one yeah. of the things that the, it's not really a spoiler cause they show it to you right in the very beginning of the film, but I mean, you end up seeing GoPro footage Mm-hmm. of an attack you know before the film actually starts this is like the very first thing that you see and i kind of wish they didn't have that in there yeah i felt like it it just kind of killed the tension for me later on i would have much rather it played out you know with me not knowing what was going to happen
3: yeah um, they they definitely gave us too much i mean they even showed like her surfboard on the yeah. beach and yeah they gave us too much in that opening scene it
4: went more for like a roller coaster ride when it could have been a little bit more of a yeah I already kind of used the same words before, but you yeah, they, they could have built a lot more tension out of this
3: film, yeah, exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, I think that the reason this movie, to me, at the time I saw it, you know first in the, in the theater, why it had such an effect on me is because I like shark movies, and they're just not that many good ones. No, it's true, you know yeah I, I was expecting nothing. I really was. I was expecting nothing. I was expecting like, okay, shark but at the theater, <laughs> uh, or something like that. Um, there's that, what's that movie shark Knight 3d. Yep. I thought that was, that was pretty stupid. Um, like, like I said, open water and, and the reason not that great, uh, another shark movie that that's out now. That's pretty decent. 47 meters down. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. Uh, but that has a lot more tension, mm-hmm. you know, wrapped up into it. Uh, but at the time I saw this, I just wasn't expecting anything. So that's probably why I like it so much and have such a, um, uh, a, a like for it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, cause I mean, even like deep blue sea, that's like an adventure action, crazy things not really, but the CGI in that is horrible. Oh,
3: it's yeah. It takes you right out of the movie.
2: Yeah, I'm not a big Samuel L. Jackson fan. Oh, I am, and I hated that. I, I'm not, <laughs> man. I can't, you know. And but, can you think of any other like? Let, let's 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 talk about. We got Jaws, and we have Jaws two, which is a decent movie, not as good as Jaws one by by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still a decent shark movie. Then you've got what? What? <laughs> what do you have? Uh, you know, until like the shallows. I, I can't I can't think of much. Yeah, well yeah, I mean I, I would have
4: hard. no problem saying this is the best shark movies in Jaws. But that's Th- that's, that's not, not saying normal. much. I mean yeah. It's,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. I mean the reef the reef, you know, uh, obviously I haven't seen it, but it looks like it's pretty good. There's a uh, bait three D and and then you just have a oh, like, bait bait
2: is hard. Is it awful the
3: one where they're isn't that the one where they're in the supermarket? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it myself. I'm just looking at a list of shark movies right now. but uh, Yeah,
2: I'm looking, I'm looking too, and I don't see. Yeah,
3: most of these are like sci-fi originals, you know, uh, yeah, five-headed I mean, shark headed... attack.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you have two-headed, and then you have three-headed. Yeah. And then, you know, and then it grows, hey, Jurassic Shark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't
3: know. And there was so a that's movie why that I like it so much. Yeah, yeah. There was a movie that came out earlier this year that I actually wanted to see just for sheer comedic value. It was called The Shark Exorcist. <laughs> the poster oh is amazing. Gosh. Yeah, the poster literally it's it's like a a priest standing at the edge of the water with this shark with big red eyes coming towards him. It's so laughable, but I just I, I wanted to see it so bad. <laughs> oh man. Oh my
2: gosh. All right, so let let's I don't want to talk too much more about this movie. I think we've said everything we want to say. You know, it's got its flaws. It's got uh a lot of CGI. The ending is kind of goofy. Uh doesn't doesn't really fit, I think, with the the rest of the movie. It gets campy. Mm-hmm. It, it's Yeah, very <laughs> yeah, yeah. very very campy. And I, I was like into this movie all the way and, and, and it lost a couple of points for me at, at the end. Yeah. But, you know, I can forgive it for that. And, and like like Vin and Jerry have said, popcorn movie. This is a movie that I would like to show somebody who's never seen it before, you know, yes. and, and put it up on a great, great big TV, turn the lights off to put the put the surround sound on and, and, and watch them jump, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, not a perfect movie. So anything anybody wants to say about it, uh, before we, we wrap it up and, and rate
3: it. How did she not lose her leg? That woman was bleeding out for like what? 20 plus hours.
2: Yeah, it was a long time.
3: And I could not get on top of the fact that the stitch job that she did was basically what? Two earrings stapling her leg shut. I just I don't see how in the real world she gets to keep that leg. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It
2: and that was pretty gross too. That that was a gross. Yeah, that wasn't scene. bad. Yeah. Yep. And that was she uh was that that was the shark bite, right? Yes sir. And then didn't she do something else like up
3: against the reef? Oh, she had, she was injured multiple times. Uh, she, she both stepped on and grabbed some of that fire coral that the surfers were talking about. And then of course, later on, she's attacked by the jellyfish. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that poor girl went through a lot aside from the shark. Obviously the shark was the worst of it, but yeah, she definitely did not have a good weekend.
2: No, not what she was expecting. <laughs> <clears throat> Captain Creepy, anything else left to say?
5: Uh, I was just going to comment on that Reef scene. I'd I love to know how they did that. I, I mean, was that CG or how did they do that? Blue screen I mean, or green screen, whatever?
3: It was probably just fake coral. They probably just used like a, a, a spongy coral that she could step on and then maybe there was like a blood pack in it or something. Yeah,
5: I thought, yeah. It, was a, I thought it was a really good scene in there
3: yeah i liked it a lot yeah Yeah. anytime there was blood in the water and and the camera was actually under the water i I thought those shots were all great
5: and uh like mark mentioned earlier with the uh the cinematography of the the waves uh they definitely had to study some surf movies there's one called step into liquid that's pretty popular that Mm -hmm. that these guys probably got ideals off of to and like you guys said, it was kind of like mtv-ish with the music playing, weather surfing—that's that's, that's kind of like what some of these surf movies do. But mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was overall pretty entertaining.
4: Yeah,
1: just All one right, more well, thing.
4: Well, sorry, one more thing worth noting because we've been talking about the cinematography and the colors. I, I do like how the the color palette kind of dulls mm-hmm. as the movie yeah. progresses. You know, I mean, in the beginning, it's beautiful, um, but it's almost—it's a little bit too much. I mean, there's like, what struck me this time watching it was when she's like kind of like almost like facetiming with her sister. Her mm-hmm. sister's eyes are like glowing blue. <laughs> they are like so unnaturally blue because of whatever color correction they're doing on there that it started like kind of take me out. I'm like, oh, this is this is just a little bit too much. <laughs> you know, it looks nice <laughs> on the reef and stuff like that, but when you see this on, you know, she, somehow she has really good signal in Mexico. Um, but you know, her sister's eyes are practically glowing blue at that point, and I don't know. It's just something I kind of noticed. I'm like, yeah, they could have toned it down a little bit here.
3: Yeah, it's definitely over-colorful over, over colorful at the beginning, but yeah. for whatever it's worth, you know, I, I kind of did appreciate that, especially, you know, like I said, the 4K scan just looked really, really nice. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably about it. Yeah. Uh, and and, and, it's,
2: and it's, uh, any time a movie looks that good to me, I mean, I didn't even notice that with the with the, the eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was just, especially when you see it on, on a big screen, it was just, like, very... Uh, you know very um beautiful and very uh, entertaining mm-hmm. so I, I can i can uh, you know I, I know it probably doesn't look quite that way in real life but Ooh. i've heard the gold coast of australia is is pretty awesome so i won't uh <laughs> won't argue there you go well let, let's uh let's go ahead and rate this thing cuz I, I don't want to say anything else cuz every anything else i want to say is going to spoil it and i just want people to to go ahead and watch it for themselves if they haven't seen it. It's too new. So, uh, Reverend Venn, why don't you give this thing a rating and tell people what they should uh, check it out or skip it?
4: I mean, For me, it's 7 out of 10. Uh, that's pretty much like a strong rental for me. Um, if it was on TV, I'd watch it. Uh, it's not something that I'm really going to seek out and return to over and over again. Uh, like I said, it's certainly entertaining. Um, there's not a lot of plot holding it all together. But, again, it's a popcorn flick. You know, It's, it's there to entertain you while it's on.
3: Mm-hmm. Mr. Venom. Um, I'm going to go just ever so slightly lower than Vin. I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10 and I think the only reason that I'm going to knock the extra half point off and it's probably not fair that I do it but I have to go with my experience watching the film. Um, As I mentioned since I was watching the 4K scan I was just able to see a lot more imperfections in some of the CG and some of the green screen shots too Um, specifically when she's uh, calling the drunk the beach drunk guy when she's calling him over and it close uh, the camera comes close to her uh in 4k you could tell that that's just very very obviously a green screen um it's almost jarring and then there's there's one particular shot of steven seagull uh sitting on the rock that once again it's very obvious that it's a green screen you can almost see the outline of steven uh, of the seagull on um on the background. So like I said, it's it, it, it's probably not fair that I nitpick, but that's the experience that I had. So, yeah, I'm going to go six point five out of ten. And I'm going to say it's a definite rent, um, potentially a purchase if you are a shark movie fan.
2: All right, Captain Creepy,
5: I'm going to go a little bit higher, believe it or not, on this one, because uh, just because, again, I'm a uh, enthusiast of surf movies, shark movies Especially, like you said, there's not many of them that are good around anyway. So when there's one that's, you know, this decent, uh, I got to give this one an eight. I did buy it on Uh, Blu-ray. Like I mentioned earlier, it would be one that I would go revisit. And like I said, it it had its inconsistencies and it had some, you know, its weakness to it. But uh, overall, uh, entertaining and rewatchable. I, I would say definitely buy it.
2: All right, I'm coming in right there with uh, Captain Creepy. I give it an eight out of ten. Uh it's a fun movie, popcorn movie. It's not a perfect movie. It's uh, you know, if, if you if you're the kind of person that's going to nitpick, um I'm not I'm not saying you're not you're, that you're doing that, uh, Mr. Venom. Oh, I absolutely that, am. When 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 you get <laughs> when you got a when you got a four K, you can't help but see every every flaw. Exactly. <clears throat> but um it's uh you might you might find it hokey. Uh I give it probably a point and a half off from for the ending which i won't spoil i just thought it didn't fit and was just way too cartoony but uh it's it's just worth watching at least once for uh for the visuals and uh yeah so that's that's what i would say man that's what i would say eight and a half or i'm sorry eight out of ten and uh give it give it a shot but don't don't buy it uh blindly rent it first And then uh, decide if you want to own it or not. There you go. There's our Shark uh, Week movies. Uh, What do you guys, just real quick, any other shark movies that you want to point out um, that people need to know about? What were some of the ones that you were looking at, uh, Mr. Venom? Most
3: of the shark movies that I enjoy are things like Sharknado. Mega Shark versus um, uh, Giant Octopus, things like that, that that are just way over the top, very CG heavy, no real storyline to speak of, no real acting prowess to speak of. They're just total guilty pleasures. So, yeah, I mean, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, um, Jersey Shore Shark Attack is fairly entertaining. Um, uh, Shark Shark Night 3D, not great. But again, guilty pleasure. I did enjoy myself watching it. Um, As far as quality, quality shark movies, I mean... You know, you're talking Jaws, you're talking The Shallows, you're talking maybe Deep Blue Sea, if you can accept the CG, the terrible, you know, um, CG that hasn't aged well over the last Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 years, however old that movie is. Um, But yeah, but if you are a fan of these types of movies, I would still recommend um, Seek Out 1977's Orca not a shark movie obviously it's a killer whale movie but it still has a lot of the tension that jaws had it's not nearly the movie that jaws is by any stretch of the imagination but it, it's definitely a strong recommend for me if you are a fan of you know sharks gone amuck.
4: now i haven't watched it yet but would anybody here recommend 47 meters down
2: oh
3: i forgot about yeah that.
2: yes yes yeah I definitely would okay i definitely would it's it's got a lot of tension in it because it's uh you know, it's a race against time because they're down in a cage at the bottom of the ocean and they, um, you know, they only get so much air. So they've got to decide whether they're going to swim out of the cage and, you know, try to get back to the boat or whatever or, you know, get eaten. Yeah, <laughs> so it's definitely it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, um, uh, I, I'll just there's a documentary from 71 called Blue Water, White Death that uh, I've heard is pretty good. There's a, there's a movie from 76, which is a direct, uh, rip-off of jaws that they, uh, really were just, it's a cash grab. It's called Mako, the jaws of death. <laughs> uh, you know, there's also a, you know, a Mako shark, uh, definitely not as, uh, um, you know, deadly as, as a great white, that, that one's got a three and a half out of 10 on DB. um, What else? There's one called A Great White from 1981, Monster Shark from 1984. So, you know, I don't know. A lot of them are like made for TV sci-fi movies, that kind of stuff. I I would also recommend if you like, you know, the aquatic stuff, like uh, Jerry said, um, Orca. Try um, piranha. Oh yeah, like like the very first piranha. I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about piranha double d or whatever that you know i'm talking about from night was it um roger corman um, yeah roger corman but who was the direct, joe dante or, was joe, oh joe, joe dante, dante was the yeah. first one that's right uh, yeah. roger corman did the second one the spawning yeah yeah so uh know yeah, i would check that out i would also check out uh this is completely different but humanoids from the deep <laughs> is is a fun goofy movie
3: rapey um do what rapey it's a very rapey, rapey. yeah
2: all oh, very rapey <laughs> very rapey but uh yeah it, it's it's a it's a fun movie so and if you hadn't if you know any other you know shark movies that we're just not uh not getting there, here's another one tentoria tentora i don't know 1977 and that looks like a mm. foreign film but it looks pretty cool it's like almost like a Dinosaur type <laughs> short. I just want to
3: starring, <laughs> starring Susan George. I know that so, in the early 80s, I want to say either 81 or 82, there was a movie that was just called Great White. Um, I don't re- I don't remember seeing it. I know I saw it, but I don't remember anything about it, so I couldn't really comment on its quality. But that if I remember correctly, that was a theatrical release as well. I want to say somewhere in the range of nineteen eighty to eighty-two. And the title is 81, 81? 81. Oh, I nailed it.
2: Nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah. great white. Also, also uh, known as the last shark. Ah, it's an, it's an Italian horror film. Mm-hmm. So, and it's four and a half out of 10 on nine DB. So
5: yeah, I just want to get some honorable mentions of a uh, land shark yeah. and Hal shark, um, <laughs> Also uh finding Nemo the first one not the second one. Oh yeah. Uh,
2: and Bru- Bruce would be uh, the cameo named in it. After,
3: yeah. That's right. Hey, Shark Tales. And there's there's something <laughs> else. Of course, too. Shark Tales. <laughs>
2: there's something else too. Uh, this is a um, this is hilarious. You ever seen Cruel jaws? No. Uh, oh god, no. It's uh it's marketed in, in a lot of areas as Jaws 5. <laughs> cruel jaws. It's really, it's, it's, think about um, the room, but like jaws. <laughs> it's that bad of a movie. Oh, we got to uh, see it now. Oh, yeah. It's oh, an Italian, God. it's in a direct to video Italian movie. Um, uh, Bruno Mattei is the director, uh, and it's, it's really bad. Um, I think they even snag some footage of jaws and put it in there. Uh, yeah it's it's pretty bad it's pretty bad it's def it says right here uh blu-ray release from scream factory was planned but ultimately canceled because the film had unauthorized use of jaws footage oops yeah so they didn't want to get sued but look it up look it up it's it's goofy so anyway if you enjoy shark movies uh let us know let us know what your favorite ones are and uh let's Tell people where they can hit us up on the internet. We'll go with uh, Captain Creepy.
5: Well, you could check me out on uh, if we ever do another episode, uh, Just Another 90s Cast. And I also have the email of the, the same name, uh, Just Another 90s Cast, no numbers in it, at gmail.com. You could hear me on old episodes of the Horror Cast. There's about three or four of them, and also old episodes of Rad Radio. And that's where you can hear me or find me.
2: righty. Revenant Vin.
4: Uh, you can find me on the uh horror cast Facebook page. Um yeah, you can find me in the group pretty easily on Facebook. Uh my website is w dot com.
3: Mr. Venom. Okay. Let me get down uh, get this big old list out. Um, you can hear me um, along with Mr. Mike Merriman on uh, Evil Episodes Presents Just the Movies, which is a weekly podcast where we look at uh, the newest horror releases out now, both on VOD streaming and in theaters. And we are also on the Theme Warriors podcast where the four hosts uh, decide on a theme and then we pick one movie that based around that theme. That's a monthly podcast that you can catch. Uh, our last episode, I believe we did a movie starring siblings. Uh, that was a fun little episode. Uh, you can also hear me on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space uh, with uh, uh, Jerry Herring from Kill the Cast, Donna Nelly from the Horror Mafia podcast, and Derek B. from Cinema Attack. Um, obviously it's a kaiju podcast, all things Godzilla, Gamera, Ultraman, all the great Japanese monsters. That's also a monthly podcast. So you could find that on the kill the cast uh, thread. It's a, it's basically a kill the cast sidecast. So subscribe to kill the cast and you'll get underwater kaiju from outer space. Um, you can also hear me on my newest podcast, which is called beneath the Zenith. Um, this is a podcast that I do with Uh, Two other members of the Horror Mafia podcast, Joey Colombo and Bill Casanelli, And then we also have uh, James um, McCarthy, J-Mac, from the Slice and Dice Dreadcast on that podcast. It's kind of – it's really a loose format. We're doing – it's kind of like a conspiracy theory type thing. So it's not necessarily a movie podcast, but we will – talk about movies and television based around whatever particular conspiracy that we're talking about on that episode. Uh, We just recorded our first episode a couple of nights ago that should be out um, sometime next week on the Horophilia podcast. And in that episode, we discussed the Phoenix Lights phenomenon from back in 1997 when over 10,000 people in Phoenix and surrounding cities witnessed lights floating in the sky that were completely unexplained. So that was that, that's also a fun episode. Um, and then of course, right here on the horror cast, uh, anytime that these guys need me, I am ready and willing to jump in and talk about my beloved horror films, which is by far uh, you know my biggest vice on this planet. So yeah. And if you want to hit me up on social media, obviously any of the Facebook groups for any of the podcasts that I just discussed, um, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, I am at Jerry Venom. And In, on instagram, I am at venom horror, and if you want to drop me an email, it's rad radio venom at gmail dot com
2: all right, and you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at the h cast you can drop us an email at ask the horrorcast at gmail dot com and uh rest assured uh horror gal Susan will be back; she could not make it tonight. And Walshy is on vacation sunning his buns. So he will be back next time. And the way we've got this now is is uh, um, Captain Creepy and Mr. Venom are now you know, part of our uh, crew. So whenever uh, somebody has to miss, okay, we'll get six people to choose from. Okay, so we're always going to have a show and we're going to roll with it. And uh, sometimes people will be on here, sometimes they won't. But we're going to be committed to getting... Uh, Episodes out every other week, and uh, look forward to our next episode coming up uh, in two weeks. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do yet, but I promise it's going to be cool. So that's it for the Horror Cast, where it's all killer, no filler, stay scared.